Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 182 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. I am happy to be on the the only place that you'll find Joe Sposto podcasting this week. The exclusive home until at least after dark comes out. Right, right. Oh, that was a whole disaster. Um, <laughs> so there was no law. And again, I was telling Adam off air. It was weird, glitchy Skype issues. And yes, we record with Skype and I listen to all the other shit that everybody else records with. Your stuff sounds like shit too, right? <laughs> um, but I've been using Skype with like a 98% success rate for almost 11 years of doing podcasting, right? Yeah, I, I think that we only had like one lost episode, right? The the Tim and Marcus episode. Well, so that was my error. That was one okay. of those things where like you were on, you and I were on the line and I started recording because my my whole thing is as soon as I get the person on the line, I start recording so I don't forget to record. Yeah, and in case I incriminate myself, you'll have it for your dirt file. Well, listen, that's the <laughs> that's the the hundred dollar Patreon bonus show, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and. I do that with Todd, too, you know, for Longbox Heroes. So I hit record as soon as I get on the line. But the problem was Tim and Marcus then came on at later parts. And how often do we record where there's multiple people on the line other than you and I? Never. A handful, if that. Right. So I didn't know that we needed to, um, like, hit record once everyone was on the line. Like, everyone was on the line. I'm like, oh, well, I'm recording. It just will record everyone once they... All hop onto the line, and it didn't. It was only recording me and you. It didn't record Tim and Marcus's part. Yeah. So that was me. And then this one was just, you know, if you use Skype, you'll see the thing where there's like a start recording button at the top left and the bottom left uh, corners, and it says start recording. You hit it, turns to start recording. The person you're recording with gets a message that says, you know, they're being recorded, and I get a little thing that says, um, you know, let everyone know that they're being recorded, whatever. So we finish after dark and I hit stop recording and it changes from stop recording to starting recording. And then the little stop recording at the bottom left hand corner doesn't change from stop recording. It still just says stop recording. So I'm like, there's something going on here. I grab the after dark file. I make sure that's okay. Restart Skype. I go back in. Everything looks okay. Go through the process. Longbox Heroes. But that one didn't record. And I was just trying everything. I did a full reboot of my computer before we started recording here today. Fingers crossed, everything that we're doing here makes it to air. Yeah. Well, we'll just make sure it's a nice short show. That way, if it, ah! if it doesn't get edited recorded, we won't miss anything. But uh, you know what, Joe? I feel bad that you went through all that. So I'm going to go ahead and give you next week off of that odds. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, so we'll just go ahead and skip next week's podcast and uh, take the week off. And if you feel like doing something, go ahead. I'll just stay home, though. Hopefully I can. Yeah, hopefully I can uh, finagle some sort of trip quickly uh, (laughs) that I didn't already pay for back in January. Yes, yes, definitely. And uh, uh, just real quick, speaking of trips, I decided that uh, common sense will prevail. And I did not drive three hours to listen to a, uh, what what seemed to be a one hour long recording of, of major wrestling figure podcast this past weekend. Mm-hmm. The only thing was they um, uh, Broski and Hawkins made some sort of thinly veiled reference uh, about working the Rip City shooters and maybe uh, one or both of them having a brewski or two before the match. <laughs> yeah. 
but I decided not to go down. I just just like gas prices being what it is, and I was just kind of feeling lazy, so I just went on a local local doll safari and called it a day. Well, we'll get into anything that you picked up on your doll safari and weekly purchases. Absolutely. Uh, we actually have a little bit busier uh, day in wrestling history than I had originally thought, so let's get right into it. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. So this entire week in wrestling history 30 years ago is one of the wildest weeks in professional wrestling of all time. This is when the steroid scandal and the ring boy scandals like hit the mainstream media. Okay. Uh, yesterday, 30 years ago, Vince and Dave Meltzer and John Rezzi and uh, uh, superstar Billy Graham and all these other people were on the Donahue show, all yelling at each other. WWE had the audience packed with plants like Linda McMahon and Elizabeth and all this other crazy stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Try, like to try to like, you know, I, I, I'm assuming to like like lead like any sort of like crowd response to whatever was going on up there. And this was probably the first mainstream time. Like there had been like little pieces done on Vince, you know, as the owner and whatever. But like this time in 1992 was like the most flagrant time. Because uh, it was everywhere. It was in like every newspaper. It was on Donahue, which was like a huge, you know, afternoon talk show that was everywhere. Uh, but specifically today, um, Vince faxed a letter to Phil Muchnick, who was kind of like leading the charge in print against the wrongdoings of the World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, against the editor, uh, against Phil Muchnick's editor, but like using not like a current column, a two-month-old column citing references. Mm -hmm. And then in the legal documentation, um, Vince states that the reason he's doing this is to try to manufacture a public grudge with ah. Phil Muchnick. He's trying and to like he's trying to work a bit, <laughs> right? So Vince, 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 thirty years ago was just a silly boy doing a silly bit. <laughs> he's going into business for himself. I like it. Uh, but if you get a chance and if you have the time, uh, if you just like put like Vince McMahon Donahue into YouTube, the whole episode's up there, and yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> I think I've seen little bits and pieces, but I've never seen the whole episode. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, also today, you know, uh, 25 years ago, head to head, we had Raw versus Nitro. Um, Nitro was another, you know, usual show. It's two hours long. Uh, lots of filler. You know, there's good, like, I'm sure that Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis match is really good. Um, and I'm sure that Conan and Hugh Morris versus the Renegade and Joe Gomez match was really bad. <laughs> Um, and it was another show where it's like the Steiner brothers against the Harlem heat. That's your main event. NWO runs in sting comes down, makes the save folks. We're out of time. Yeah. Raw yeah. on the other hand was a very busy show. It was live from Syracuse. Um, you know, still trying to figure things out. Cause there's like a Billy Gunn versus Aaron Ferguson squash match, a Sultan versus Mike Bell squash match, you know? 
Mm. Um, you then have, I think, the main TV debuts of the Mexican minis under their WWE gimmicks. I forget, like, who exactly was who. Uh, but obviously the thing that they would do in Mexico, you have a popular luchador, and then you have their mini version, right? Sure. So WWE, to combat the cruiserweight division, took a bunch of the already existing Mexican minis and, like, made them, like, mini Goldust and mini Mankind and mini Vader. <laughs> Great um, idea. Perfect idea. I think they had been on an episode or two of Shotgun Saturday Night, but this, I think, is the first time that they were on Raw. Um, also, uh, on this episode, after just maybe three weeks before uh, losing his smile... And having to retire forever from professional wrestling due to a debilitating knee injury, uh, <laughs> Shawn Michaels returned and stated that he was going to he was going to be at WrestleMania and he was going to do commentary on the main event for the world title. Thank God, you know, like where would we be if he never came back? I think I'm very happy that he was able to recuperate the way he did. Oh, of course. Uh, I know it's in such quick fashion, too, you know? You know, sometimes you got to pray it away, you know, pray away that injury. Oh, boy. <laughs> pray away something with Sean. But um, <laughs> more, I would say almost more importantly, the main event was a steel cage match uh, pitting Sid Vicious, the then champion, against Brett the Hitman Hart. And Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, comes down to interfere in the match. Um accidentally costing Brett the match. Austin's idea was if I help Brett, my mortal enemy win, and he becomes the champion. When we wrestle at WrestleMania in two weeks, our submission match will be for the WWE title. Sure. But Brett was very upset by this. So let's hear what Brett had to say. Try to talk to a very, obviously, this consonant Bret Hart. Extremely frustrated over what has just happened. Oh! Frustrated is a goddamn word for it. This is bullshit. Oh! I apologize, man. Excuse gentlemen. me. Everybody, excuse me. And nobody does a goddamn thing about it. Nobody in the building cares. Nobody in the dressing room cares. So much goddamn injustice around here. I've had it up to here. We apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody knows it. I know it. Everybody knows it. I should be the World Wrestling Federation champion. Get him out of the ring. Everybody just keeps turning a blind eye. You keep turning a blind eye to it. I got that gorilla monsoon. He turns a blind eye to it. Everybody in that goddamn dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Vince. Love the look on Vince, yeah. I know. <laughs> Like shit. Oh, look uh, at that. Brett finally delivering a good promo. All right. So <laughs> uh, the whole thing with that, of course, is um, so you hear Jr. apologizing and everything else like that. Sure. Um, they actually had to get permission from the USA Network uh, to be able to say shit on the air. <laughs> but they only got permission for one and Brett said it twice. <laughs> So that was a bit of a problem. Um, I think they ended up doing an overrun as well, which was one of the first times that they did an overrun on Raw, going head-to-head -head with Nitro. Because, yeah. like, Austin comes up on the screen, and Brett challenges Austin to come down. And then Sid actually comes down, and they start brawling again. And this is, you know, we, we talked a couple weeks ago, like, it's now Raw is war. We get this promo. 
Um, you know, like, and they say that, like, oh, man, that double turn with Austin and Brett at WrestleMania came out of nowhere. I don't know. Brett's pretty much a heel at this point, you know? Yeah. Well, it... He's showing glimpses of it. I mean, like, in order for him to be the heel, you'd have to kind of babyface Vince there, and that's hard to do, you know? Yeah. But, well, uh, that's the thing. Vince is just – we talked before, you know, uh, five years prior to this, Vince was just a silly boy doing a silly bit with <laughs> Phil Mushnick. But on TV, he's still just announcer man. You know, yeah. we don't know that he's, uh, you know, the owner of the company, and he's not Mr. McMahon yet. Yeah. And and the fact that that's 25 years ago, I know I say this every fucking week, I, that's boggling. I feel very old. Well, <laughs> like when, when you had the thing before with Donahue and it was 30 years ago, you had the newspaper clipping on the screen. It was all black and white. It looked like a tin type <laughs> 30 years ago. Well, again, if you want to feel old, but slightly less old, 20 years ago today was WrestleMania 18, better not better known as X8. From the Sky Dome in Toronto, Canada. Um, this is the infamous Hollywood Hogan versus Rock WrestleMania. Yeah. I'm looking at the card right here. Like, this, looks, this is a good WrestleMania. I want to watch this again. This is kind of the golden age of WCW versus WWF. Like, not, you know what I'm saying? Like, you still have the stink of the invasion on this. Right, right. Um, you know, that Flair versus Undertaker match. That's the first time they acknowledge on camera the streak. Okay. That's the one where, like, after uh, Undertaker wins, uh, he does, like, the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 on his fingers. And JR, like, mentions it. Like, that's the first time that they acknowledge the streak. Um, you know, obviously, Rock versus Hogan. Um, you know, all the other matches are exactly what they are. You know, uh, Kurt Angle versus Kane. Like, a lot of this stuff was thrown together, like, weeks before just to have so everyone has something to do on the card you know yeah like kurt angle and kane edge versus booker um etc etc obviously this is triple h beating chris jericho for the undisputed title um but very lean triple h oh yeah lean (laughs) uh he was starting to he was starting to cycle off a little bit by this point we're two months after royal rumble so he's starting to you know thin out a little bit and then like like three months later we would kind of puff back up Mm-hmm. Um, but I was there for this. I was there live at this one. And I loved seeing everyone online talking about like so many of my mutuals and like mutuals of mutuals were at this WrestleMania. I didn't and, know that. They let you and, across the border? Well, th- again, <laughs> this was, you know, uh it was post 9-11, but like things weren't that tight yet. I didn't I didn't need a passport to get across the border. Mm-hmm. Coming back through the border. The car trip that I was in, like, April was in the back asleep with a blanket over, and they didn't question us at the border. Like, why is there a little girl in your back seat <laughs> sleeping? They're just like, all right, go ahead, gentlemen. Everything seems in order. Go ahead. Everything seems fine, right? <laughs> uh, restrictions weren't really tightened up just yet. Um, but I did watch the Hogan Rock match before we recorded today. Okay. And, you know, there's the the, the build-up video to it, and I think they tried really hard. Like, if you remember, uh, there was the whole thing where they, they, they do the beatdown of The Rock, and The Rock's in the ambulance, and then Hulk gets in the big Mack truck and crashes the Mack truck into the ambulance with The Rock in it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, a week later, Rock's just back on TV like nothing's happened, you know? Yeah. Um, But this, like, so that part of the build was weird, but... 
you know, all they had to do was just, you know, Hogan comes back. All you people stink. The Rock is like, no, you stink. Let's wrestle at WrestleMania. And that's really all this match needed. Um, but I might say, and we'll kind of get into this a little bit more when we get into like what we discussed from the past week. But this might be the best sports entertainment match of all time. <laughs> yeah. Not wrestling match, but sports entertainment match of all time. Yeah, as far as, I don't know, like, the just the goosebumps of the stare down even, you know, just for entertainment value. I can see that. So, so it's that, but it's also the crowd, right? So we get there, and we're getting our seats. And like, you know, we were like the front of the upper deck, right? You know, we were in the upper level, but we were maybe like first or second row on the upper level, right? Yeah. And we get there, and I just see, like, we, we're in line, we're outside, and there's like, a lot of people dressed like Hulk Hogan. And there's a lot of people with pro Hulk Hogan signs. And I'm like, Hulk Hogan's a heel. Like, he's a bad guy. Like, what's going on here? And we get inside, and it's literally, like, groups of guys all dressed as Hogan. You see the guys with the multi-person Hulk Hogan signs walking, right? Yeah. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And the rock, you know, Hogan comes out, and he gets the ovation, and The Rock comes out, and, like, they cheer him for his entrance. But once that match starts, man, and, like, on commentary, JR's like, you know, uh, it's a split crowd, half for The Rock and half for the Hulkster. Um, you know, I think the crowd's maybe starting to get to The Rock a little bit, a very pro-Hulk Hogan crowd. And being there live, and to hear, you know, 60,000-plus people, just going out of their goddamn minds for everything that Hogan did. Yeah. And, you know, I did, I was not a Hulk Hogan g- kid growing up. You know, as a kid, I liked the bad guys. Uh, you know, I liked your Roddy Pipers. I liked your, you know, Jake the Snakes and stuff like that. So, like, if a guy, or Macho Man, somebody shows up as a bad guy and they turn face, and I'm like, okay, I'm with them because I liked them as a bad guy. I was never a Hogan guy. But it was this show where I'm like, I kind of get Hulk Hogan now. Like, I understand it. Mm. You know, like, I never got to be in the crowd during, like, peak Hulk Hogan to hear it. It's one thing to see it on TV or watch it on videotape or whatever. But, like, to be in that crowd. And, like, some could even argue that this is the beginning of WWE considering Canada bizarro world. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, obviously the Hart Foundation stuff was very different. You know, that was kind of acknowledged and it was played that way so that this group of people are going to be heels in the United States with baby faces in Canada. But this, their plan, you know, was not for Hogan to be the baby face. Their thing was not for The Rock to be booed, but that's exactly what happened. And it's wild, man. Can you imagine if that match happened in 2022, we would never know that Hogan was being cheered. Because they just have the white noise of crowd boos for Hogan and the generic cheers for The Rock. And it's just a level pitch of you never know that anything happened. Unless you were there live, of course. Yeah. But again, you know, they have that beaten out of all of us. It was a different time, man. It was a different time. Yeah. All right, cool. I didn't know you were at that mania. Why don't you just rub some more iconic shows in our face that you were at? (laughs) Where's your ticket for that? Did you sell that I, yet? You know what? No, I didn't sell that one. I have it, but those my Ticketmaster ones are like super duper faded. Yeah. 
I do have it around here somewhere. You're asking, so I'm going to go grab it. <laughs> uh, while I'm grabbing it, hey, um, let's talk about stuff that happened in wrestling in the last seven days. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, all right. Well, I guess I will start with uh, the, the most pressing thing, and that is the fact that this past week kind of sucked, man. Uh, and I'm looking at your notes here, and I think we're going to be on the same page with this. And obviously, uh, this past week, we lost Scott Hall, which sucks. Uh, it's one thing if you got a guy who's, you know, uh, got his addictions and is struggling with it and then dies from it. But obviously, he turned a lot of that around by all accounts and kind of, you know, passed out of nowhere. So that blows. And then you couple that with the fact that uh, a few days earlier than that, uh, Big E goes and breaks his neck. So uh, <laughs> I don't even know, man. It's just it obviously sucks. I hope that in Big E's case, you know, they're saying that uh, it's one of those injuries that might not ever heal properly. But hopefully, you know, he's a very charismatic, charismatic guy. Great personality. I mean, he could if he wants to, he can have a place in sports entertainment or in wrestling for the rest of his life. But hopefully he's able to be comfortable. And I don't know, man, just a lot of shitty things happened this past week. Yeah. The big E thing was rough, man, because you know, we're, I, I, I tuned in to SmackDown and I'll be honest. I haven't, I used to watch SmackDown pretty regularly mm. and I hadn't watched it. Like, and I don't know if I kind of got like bored with the whole, uh, tribal chief, uh, you know, ooh, man, all that sort of shit. Right. Yeah, because um, it just kind of felt like the same and it was in this weird holding pattern until we got to Brock versus uh, Roman, which got delayed for a variety of reasons. And now it's coming up for WrestleMania and I just kind of don't care, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then I saw everyone talking about uh, Pete Dunne's debut <laughs> on... Uh, I don't know who the Steve Dunn guy is you're talking. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Butch. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm familiar with Butch. <laughs> no, I don't have my, uh, I thought I had my WrestleMania ticket stuff. I guess I don't. Nah. I had my 15, but not my 18. All right. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, we can kind of get into Butch, too. But I tuned into that, and I see Butch at ringside um, for the match with Sheamus and... Uh, Again, I don't want to say, uh, what's... Ridge Holland? Ridge Holland. For some reason, I wanted to say Riddick Moss, a.k.a. Uh, Madcap Moss, taking on uh, Biggie and Kofi. And then I saw the suplex live, man, and I didn't realize how bad things were. Like, you never know, right? Yeah. Um, There's guys that just take crazy bumps sometimes, but this one was on the floor. Um, and Big E has been very like forward and just to see like the outpouring of everyone kind of supporting him really shows like what a good guy he is. It kind of sucks that like, who knows what the hell his plans for WrestleMania were, but like that's scrapped, which is far less important than his health. Mm. Um, but if you follow him on social media, he was out like, as we record this, he was out and about like going for a jog around his neighborhood today. Oh, He's, awesome. He's still got the big horse collar on. Um, and I think, and again, I, I, I'm going to get it wrong, but he said it was the the three and the five vertebrae, but they weren't, they were just like bruised, but not cracked. So he's not going to need surgery. He is going to have some sort of recovery. They don't know how long it's going to take, but just the fact that it's not going to take surgery is like a huge plus. Yeah. 
And this is one of those positives that um, because he's such a big muscled up guy, that helped. If he wasn't, if it was me or you and that happened to us, we'd probably be dead. Yeah. Yeah, Because I think, uh, and again, I haven't been keeping up with it, but like the first doctor that commented on is that like whatever the one vertebrae was, is the one that's associated with like people having their neck snapped and dying on the spot, you know? Right. But I, I had actually, I like, I don't watch SmackDown live. I don't watch any WWE programming live. So I heard the news about it happening before I saw it. And I, I kind of didn't want to go back and watch it, but mm-hmm. I just felt like I, I, I had to just to be able to talk about it. And I let, I'm sitting alone and I let out like an audible scream. Like it was as scary looking of a bump as you can imagine. And I can, I had to watch it between my fingers. So mm-hmm. the fact that he's out, you know, running around, that's great news that I didn't know about, you know, yep. so I'm happy to hear about that. Um, and you know, there's, there's people that we never thought would wrestle again that are wrestling now, you know, after long layouts. And as you said, uh, he's a huge muscle bound dude. So if anybody can get back faster, if you wanted to, then that's him, you know, so I'm happy to hear that, but, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, that just blows. That's super scary. Uh, so I, I do want to talk more about Butch though, even though Butch <laughs> isn't on my list of things, you know, we could talk about whatever you want to talk about. Right. Sure. Yeah. So after Butch debuts, right, Conrad Thompson of the Ad Free Shows podcasting network comes out and he pretty much says, is like, all right, everyone hates the name Butch. Uh, Obviously, they're not going to call him Pete Dunn. Give me a better idea. Right? Yeah. Which kind of is the tip off that this feels like a Brucey idea that Conrad's being so defensive of like a WWE idea, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So here's my biggest problem with Butch, and it's going to be the strangest thing that you already have, you know? So (laughs) many times in WWE, they've changed someone's name because it's too close to someone else's name, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, Gregory Helms had, or Shane Helms had to become Gregory Helms because we already have a Shane, right? Steve Regal became William Regal. Right, because we we already have this. And... We already have a Butch in WWE. He's not on the current roster, but like Butch and Luke of the Bushwhackers. Now, there's a rib uh, allegedly out there because, um, uh, what's his name? Holland? Ridge Holland. Ridge Holland's real shoot name is Luke. So by <laughs> naming him Butch is like a rib, right? Yeah. Which is always a great way to go forward with these sort of things, right? It's a great way to make uh, career decisions for people, you know? Okay. (laughs) So I got a better idea, and I didn't tweet it at no goddamn Conrad Thompson. You know, he's going to go and tell Brucey, and Brucey's going to go, hmm, rub his chin, and, you know, this is what's going to happen, right? Yeah. So uh, even though there have been people with this name before in WWE, we'll get to it, right? And Listen, we're just gonna lift. We're just gonna lift it, and we're gonna still stick with Bruce's original idea of calling him Butch. His name's Billy. Okay. <laughs> now we've had Billy Gunn, we've had Billy Kidman, we've had lots of Billies, right? Uh, we've had Billy Kay, most importantly. Sure. Yeah. So Billy, his name's Billy, right? But around the neighborhood, they used to call him the Butcher. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, Billy the Butcher is from, uh, what, what's the name of the, uh, uh, There Will Be Blood, not There Will Be Blood. Um, the Boys? 
No, there's a Billy the Butcher from that, but they steal from that all the time. Um, but there's another movie with Daniel Day-Lewis in it. Somebody will tell me later. No idea. Okay. So what you do is you have it be, his name's Billy, around the neighborhood, they call him the Butcher. But then like a couple weeks later, it turns out that he doesn't like to be called the Butcher, right? Uh-huh. So then the crowd starts chanting Butch at him. And that gets him upset, right? <laughs> sure. So you get your Billy, you get your Butch. And none of these are a name that's going to be on a marquee for a WrestleMania. Um, this was a bad idea from bad creative, you know, everything on top of that. But the other thing that WWE always likes to throw in our face, that they're like the longest running action adventure television program of all time, right? Yeah, something about a roadrunner in there as well. Sure. So <laughs> if you want to be compared to other television shows of uh, of the day, right? Our competition is sleep. Our competition isn't other wrestling, even though they did file legal precedents that um, they're not the industry leader. I don't know if you, I know you didn't see this because I know there's a bunch of stuff that happened this week. And someone's like, oh, you can bring this up on the show. I'm like, there's no fucking way Adam will know anything that I would be talking about. But not even bring that up. <laughs> I, this is how I learn stuff on the air. Right. So um, MLW sued WWE. Okay. Stating that WWE attempted to interfere uh, with them, MLW, getting on TV. All right, sounds sound. You got me so far. Makes okay. sense because MLW was a just a, a stone's throw away from a national TV deal until until WWE stepped in. I get you. Right, number four promotion right behind OVW. Um, <laughs> so their whole thing is that WWE owns the monopoly on professional wrestling, and by them not allowing by WWE not allowing MLW to get on television, it's them attempting to continue their their monopolization and so on and so forth. Right. Yep. So in the court depositions that were released this week, WWE's proof that they are not the industry leader and do not hold a monopoly on sports entertainment in the United States was there was an October 18th episode of Dynamite that ran head-to-head with SmackDown. And in one of the quarter hours, head-to-head, Dynamite won. <laughs> that's proof that WWE is not the industry leader. I'm sold. Right. AEW, <laughs> who they have said is not their competition, that they don't see as competition. They're not even marketing the same thing, but in the court documentation uh, to try to get out of this MLW lawsuit, they certainly are. Yeah. Uh, so if WWE wants to be treated like a regular television show, okay, let's compare... World Wrestling Entertainment Television to TGIF. Everybody loves TGIF from back in the back when we were kids. That Friday night programming block on ABC. You got Perfect Strangers. You got Family Matters. You got Step by Step. You got all of your favorite shows, right? Yeah, I got Full House and sure, yeah, right. right? Okay, so these shows all kind of sort of existed in the same universe, right? Yeah, it was like the original MCU. Right, they would always have these crossover episodes where, hey, it's a Disney-owned company, so we're all going to Disney on vacation. Definitely not a shameless infomercial for the new attractions at Disney. No siree, Bob. It just so happens, all these families that all have their... Anyway. Yeah. So, by taking Pete Dunne, who's already established, who already has action figures and is in your games, and so on and so forth, 
already on your established show of NXT. Let's call NXT step by step. And you <laughs> yeah. take him and he's already been established on the other shows. I think he might have been like on a pay-per-view and on a Royal Rumble or at the very least an episode of SmackDown. Remember the episode of SmackDown where everyone got trapped over in Saudi Arabia so they had to throw something together real quick? <laughs> yeah. So he's already been on SmackDown. Let's call SmackDown Perfect Strangers as Pete Dunne. And then all of a sudden, we take Pete Dunne off step by step NXT. And he's already been he's already been on Perfect Strangers before as Pete Dunne. And then we just take that same actor, because that's what they are, they're actors, and we just put him on Family Matters. But now, even though we've already introduced him as Pete Dunne, he's now a completely different person and a completely different character. Okay. That's what WWE is doing. If you are watching a regular sitcom, and they've already established that these sitcoms exist in the same shared universe, and regular appearing characters on one show have appeared on the other show, and now that this character is moving to be a regular character on this other show, they just completely change his name and character. It's the same actor, <laughs> but they just give him a new role and they give him a new name. And we're supposed to just treat that like normal in WWF world. Yeah. But if they did that on like a sitcom, people would be going out of their minds. Like they do that on soap operas and stuff, but it's more so recasting people. Like they've done crawls at the bottom of things. It's like the part of X will now be played by Y. Move on, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I guess that's a one way of putting it. I mean, at the end of the day, I just think that they're making a change for the sake of making a change. Yes. They, They have to know that like a big portion of their audience is going to hate this yet. They're like, fuck it. We're going to do it anyways. Right. (laughs) Like who does this benefit? It doesn't benefit the former Pete Dunn. Nope. It doesn't benefit diehard wrestling fans. Like, is it going to benefit the WWE in some kind of merchandising way? Maybe if it doesn't kill the merchandising like appeal of the guy to start with, because it's one thing if you're like, well, if we go and churn out Pete Dunn T-shirts and Pete Dunn, you know, wrestling figures, we don't make as much money as if we were going to have it be Butch. But now that you have the figure say Butch, Pete Dunn fans are less likely to buy it. You know, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot like somebody there has to realize that this is going to like alienate a huge portion of your, your viewing audience, but I don't know. What do I know? I, I also think Gunther's a dumb name too, but that stuck. So right now, and I'll say this, you listen, I could be completely wrong. I'm saying this into a microphone. Pete Dunn is a young man. If Pete Dunn main events, a pay-per-view, I'm not even saying WrestleMania main events, a pay-per-view as Butch in the next 20 years, <laughs> I will eat my John Cena hat live on air. <laughs> I would take that bet as well. I will eat your John Cena hat. All right. I'll split I'll, it with you. Right. I'll cut it down the middle, daddy. <laughs> I'll send half to you and that'll be a video cast for that one. 20 years. Yeah. I think that's a nice window, right? I think that's being very generous. Yeah. <laughs> I said it's being more than generous. Oh, poor and, of, and again, looking at my notes, of course, you mentioned the Scott Hall passing, of course, and. You know, it was a it was a it was a rough day as the the information about it was coming out on Sunday and Monday. You know, I guess he had fell and he broke his hip or something. Mm-hmm. And 
I saw a picture of him recently and he looked like, and I say recently, I would assume it was a picture taken within the last like three months. And, you know, Scott Hall's always just been a big guy, like a deceptively big guy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like he's always standing next to Kevin Nash or like the other, or the giant or like other like literal giants in wrestling from the eighties and nineties and on. But when you see actual Scott Hall himself, like he's like a six foot six, six foot seven, legit sized dude. Like he was like Hulk Hogan sized. Yeah. Um, so he just kind of looked a little frail, you know, which, you know, he's an old, and again, he's an old man. He was 63. So it's not that old. But I don't think he was working out. And, you know, we talk about his stuff with his demons and all that other stuff. And, you know, now is, there's there's always been rumors of how much he defeated those demons and how well those uh, DDP responsibility houses actually work. <laughs> but now's not the time to discuss that. You know, as someone that was universally beloved, somebody who tried to give back up until, like, he no longer could to wrestling you know um a couple years ago there was those videos where they sent him and nash down to the performance center to try to teach like omos and uh colonel aziz like how to work like big men you know yeah um like they could have just said no but they're like okay like paul's our buddy we'll go help these guys out you know trying to do what they can to give back and like in that, I, I'm glad that in the last couple of years, especially Nash, but even Scott Hall, that the narrative that these guys were like selfish has kind of been beaten out of people, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I think now the narrative is that like they were pioneers and yeah. like getting the boys the most money. I think that's the, the prevailing narrative, you know? Well, not only that, but like, like getting the boys the most money. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so we could talk about, um, well, well, I'll come back to this. Like, so he gets this run in WWE as Razor Ramon, right? Uh-huh. When he gets the run as Razor Ramon, he had legitimately been kicking around wrestling at that point for almost 10 years, okay? He was Scott Hall. He was big Scott Hall. He was one half of uh, a tag team called Starship where he was Starship Coyote, right? He yeah. was Cowboy Scott Hall. He was Gator Scott Hall. He was Texas Scott Hall from Florida. I don't fucking know. He was the diamond stud, right? Then he comes to WWF and he gets this Razor Ramon gimmick. He debuts in W... Like, they do the vignettes. They do the whole buildup for this character. He debuts in WWF in September of 1992, okay? His first six months of WWF is those vignettes. uh, He works a program with Macho Man where he beats Macho Man on the house shows. He main event Survivor Series with Macho Man, Mr. Perfect, and Ric Flair. He then main events the Royal Rumble pay-per-view against Brett for the world title. Okay? Yeah. Like, talk about having a rocket ship strapped up your ass, right? (laughs) Yeah. After that, like, he has an injury and stuff where he's off TV and they have to kind of rebuild him. The next big program that he has on TV is the deal where 123 Kid beats him on Monday Night Raw. Okay. So, like, he's this character who's, like, he's in the main event scene. He's beating the Macho Man. He's feuding with the world champion. He's doing all these huge things. And then his next program is losing to the skinny jobber who's been beaten up on TV for the last three to four weeks. 
And that's his program. And it leads to his face turn. It leads to everything else. But he fucking made the one, two, three kid. He didn't know Sean Waltman at that point. But that's yeah. how they got to know each other. It was through that. And then, like, people talk about the match where, like, he has Jericho beat him on uh, an episode of WCW Nitro, like, early in Jericho's career. Um, in between WCW closing down and him going back to work for WWF in 2002, he was touring in Japan. And in, like, one of the tournaments, he's matched up with, like, just this young boy. And in the match, he, this young boy beats him. And that guy goes on to be Tanahashi, who's like one of the biggest stars in wrestling. And it's not like New Japan is like, oh, yeah, we're going to have this young guy beat you. Scott Hall's like, I see something in this kid. If this is my last night here, he should beat me. Huh. So, like, he was kind of always giving in that sort of way. But even further still, like, his character was involved in, like, so many seminal moments of 90s wrestling. I mentioned the one, two, three kid thing. Uh, I mentioned like uh, the him coming out on the, the Memorial Day 96 Nitro with the you wanted a war promo. You get mm -hmm. the thing with him, Nash and Hogan at Bash of the Beach. Like most people in wrestling would kill for one long lasting moment that will be played in promo packages and hype videos and history of wrestling videos for the rest of time. Most people would kill for one. Scott Hall's got three. Yeah, the the ladder match with Sean. Four, the ladder match with Sean at Mania of ten. Yeah. So like people forget that that was like one of the best like matches of all time at that point, in my opinion. You know. Sure. Um. So it's a bummer that he's passed, and it's 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 you know it's it's a it's great to see the outpouring and the outcry of everyone and their feelings and how he helped them. You know, I know our friend the Boar even mentioned. Uh, it was right before the pandemic shut everything down two years ago. Uh, Boar did one of the new talent initiative shows for AIW and he put it out there. He's got no problem with me saying this. And Scott Hall was the guest there and Bill Alfonso was there and both Bill Alfonso and Scott Hall took time to go up to, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of the people that did the new talent initiative stuff and just tell them like something like give them pointers. They didn't need to do that. They were like, Scott Hall was there to like pose for pictures and sign autographs and stuff. He didn't yeah. need to watch the new talent thing. He didn't need to go up to anybody, but he made it a point to do so. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he didn't have to probably even stay for most of the wrestling, you know? Right. Could have just and bailed like, right after the meeting. Yeah, meet. there's there's been guys that they come, they do their, and again, no knock on them, right? Listen, you might have another thing that you need to get to the next day, or maybe you're just older and you're tired and you just like, you traveled all day and you want to get back to your hotel. But there's been tons of AIW guests that come they do the meet and greet beforehand. They do their spot pre-intermission. They get one last run at the table at intermission. And then it's like, intermission's over. I don't want to hear the bell for the next match. I want to be in the car back at my hotel, right? <laughs> yeah. And Scott Hall was not one of those guys. Ricky Steamboat was not one of those guys. Billy Kidman was not one of those guys when they came to AIW. Um, you know, it's just those, those are the guys, man. And you know, and I think um, I even saw, um, you know, they were sharing on social media, Brett Hart and Kevin Nash were saying that it's, you know, we're starting to see it catch up to those guys that ran in the 80s and 90s that ran those 300 night a year careers. Yeah. And you wrestle 300 times a night every year for 
three, four, five, six years, it fucks you, man. And, like, obviously wrestling is different now. A lot of these guys only wrestle, like, two or three times. And, you know, I would say in a lot of a lot of cases, maybe the wrestling quality is better. But at the very least, the longevity of these guys' lives is better. Yeah. A um, couple other real quick things as far as Scott Hall goes. I mentioned before that WWE just sanitizing the, the reaction of the crowd. Like, how much better would the opening of Raw been this past week? I, I get it. Kevin Owens is a, a dastardly heel. But he comes out to the ring, and the first thing out of his mouth is, hey, yo. And, like, if we had a genuine crowd reaction, that might have gotten some cheers instead of it just being, like, you know, the the, the just the monotone, no reaction of the piped-in booze, you know? So that sucked. Um, and the other thing is I set my DVR to record uh, whatever the – the show that comes on before impact wrestling, it's like impact in 60 or something like that. And most of them I delete, but every once in a while it's like, Oh, Hey, here's the best of, you know, America's most wanted, or here's the best of Eric young. So most of it's stuff that I'll just skip, but this is prior to him getting injured and prior to him passing, but they had a best of Scott hall this past week. And it just, again, there's a couple days before he passed and I, I was watching it. I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I've seen some of this. And it was just really cool to uh, just kind of watch things that I either either haven't seen in 20 years or never saw. And I, I really popped for the fact that Hall and Nash came out dressed as Elvis impersonators with uh, your boy Jeff Jarrett as the only kings of wrestling. Yep. <laughs> and they were wrestling against uh, a little baby AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, and eventually Macho Man came out because uh, he was the third competitor of that. But In Macho odd... Man's last televised American match, I think. Yep. Yeah, and it was such an oddball match and an oddball setting. And to have seen that, you know, just a couple days before Scott Hall passed was kind of, you know, uh, kismet, you know? Yeah, that stuff is real fun if you could find it. I'm glad they did, you know, they put that out on, you know, whatever impact thing it is. But that was in that was off weekly pay-per-views, but before the, the spike deal. So they were on FS1's website. <laughs> yeah. And I used to get, you know, I, like I'd watch them, but like that was one of the things that I would get like DVDs of and stuff, you know, to check that sort of stuff out. Um, you know, it was definitely a mixed bag, but it was definitely uh, interesting stuff. But yeah, Hall had a couple runs. Like he was on the first TNA pay-per-view. Um, you know, a lot of that first, like the beginning of it was built around like him and Kevin, uh, I'm sorry, and Double J and Ken Shamrock. Uh, a couple other folks, but, uh, you know, Scott Hall's just been always one of those guys, man. Yeah. Uh, I do have one other thing. I don't know if you have anything else. I might. Go ahead. All right. I, well, we might overlap on this. And I, I just want to talk about the segment on AEW Dynamite this past week regarding the Jericho Appreciation Society, their commencement address, if you will, and the fact that Jericho is a sports entertainer. And... I, I don't know if I want to admit this, Joe, but I really like that promo. I liked all of it. <laughs> Even stupid Jake Hagar standing there like an idiot. I liked all of it. Um, the only thing I, I'm a little confused by is the fact that 2.0 is a stupid name from Bad Creative. Uh, maybe that would be true if it was Everize, but uh, I don't know. But I guess the moral of the story is, number one, I have no idea 
what the name of the guys in 2.0 are anymore. They've had so many changes in the last couple of years. And number two is that uh, Jericho's had a fucking damn sexy jacket on. <laughs> and I was literally, uh, you know, maybe um, <clears throat> my feet of the show comes in a few seconds behind everyone else's. Uh, sure. Yeah, it happens. Right, right. And I was literally typing the, the maybe message to you privately. <laughs> and I saw somebody, uh, Jared Finelli, I think, tweet at you that you had uh, double dipped and sold your broski jacket to Jericho. And I'm like, ah, son of a bitch. I was already working on it. <laughs> yeah, a couple people had that take. I like it. I, I wasn't watching the show at the time, but I was like, oh, that's not, that's pretty good. So I know we talk about it quite a bit on here in regards to how we have to kind of relearn wrestling. Yeah. Because WWE has kind of beat it out of us for the last several years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we had that promo a couple weeks ago where Jericho was setting up the program with Eddie and he was throwing in, like, a lot of the sports entertainment stuff and all that sort of thing. And then we get the payoff with this promo here. And again, it's still, you know, a little tough to be relearned that, you know... <laughs> we're supposed to pay attention and these things are supposed to pay off and stuff. And I like the feeling of this. I like the idea to get heel heat from an AEW crowd by leaning into the sports entertainment stuff. (laughs) It's so, uh, it's funny how just those words can rile up all of us pain shitters. (laughs) It was one of those things where like Daniel Garcia gets in the mic and he's like, I'm Daniel Garcia dramatic pause and i'm a sports entertainer and like you just hear like an audible groan like not this is corny but an ah uh, like oh not, not you, you. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. um and then i see a bunch of people on social media being like oh man like they should have threw this in there and they should have threw this in there and they should have threw this in there and i'm like give them time let's yeah. not blow our load in the first promo <laughs> let's you know let's see how long we can stretch this for and obviously, Adam, you know, I'm not shoot trash. I'm not someone who just willy-nilly goes around exposing the secrets of professional wrestling and my friends. But, you know, uh, Matt and Jeff, who, you know, I've known for, you know, the better part of, let's say, 15 years. You know, I couldn't tell you or the listening audience that their real names were Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. But of course it was right. It was those fake names that AEW created up for them. Matt Lee and Jeff Parker, which are stupid names, not real people (laughs) names, but Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, those have been their real names for at least the 15 years that I've known them. Of course. I'm sure it's on their IDs if you were inclined to look. That's right. Yes. (laughs) And I guess one last thing that I'll have, which is funny. Uh Um, I love the fact that Monday night into Tuesday morning, People were mad because they worked themselves into a shoot that Cody was going to be on Raw Monday night. (laughs) So um, I will admit I did watch the top of the uh, second hour segment on Raw. Um, I was out to eat with my family as Raw was starting. Nine o'clock hour. I'm like, okay, let's see what's going on here. Seth is going to have his big announcement. And they do the promo where they're going to set up a match later on that night between Seth and Kevin Owens. And the winner of the match is the one who gets to have the segment at WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Uh And I thought to myself, I'm like, if Cody was going to show up, and he's not, 
because uh, they're saving to the Raw after Mania, like I said a month ago. Um, if he was going to show up, it would have been this segment. He didn't show up. I'm going to bed. I don't need to watch the rest of Raw. I'm good, right? Yeah. And then I wake up and I just see people like, I can't believe it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I watched an entire episode of Raw and there was no <laughs> Cody. They didn't advertise Cody. Cody didn't tweet something out. We're like, oh, guys, hope everyone's having a good night in Jacksonville for no reason. Here's a picture of me on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, you know? Like, yeah. he didn't do any bullshit like that. You all worked yourselves up into a shoot. It's like, oh, we all thought it was going to be last week, but this week they're in Jacksonville, and now his commitments to the Go Big Show are over, so now he can show up at any time and blah, 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 blah. And then you, you all watched a full episode of Raw. And the reason that you watched a full episode of Raw was that maybe Cody Rhodes was going to show up. Now, if it <laughs> of was all the maybe, things, right. Of all things, if it was maybe Terry Funk's going to be on this episode of Raw or maybe uh, Bret Hart's going to come out on Raw or maybe Mick Foley or maybe, you know, anyone good. Or anybody who's wrestled in the last 20 years. Right. You wasted three hours of your life for this three-star general. That's on you. That's not WWE's <laughs> fault. That's not Cody's fault. That's not nobody's fault. You only have yourself to blame. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you were looking forward to Cody showing up in the WWE for any reason other than for its newsworthiness, uh, look at yourself in the mirror, you know, right. and kind of reassess some of the decisions you've made in life and think about how you can be better and, uh, you know, just really look inward. That's all my <laughs> advice is for you. <laughs> um, I'll just be real quick. I have one last thing. All and right. that is that I got goosebumps when uh, Regal slapped Wheeler Yuta. Oh. Almost like hit him. Like that was a great emotional little scene. And I hope Yuta goes and joins those guys because uh, I, I, I'm sick of him being the guy in the best friends that takes the pens. You know, I do have a little bit of a grudge against him for keeping me and, uh, Kevin Ford in that 150 degree gym for IWTP 100, <laughs> but I'm willing to look past it. And I, I, I think that he'd be great in that group. So, uh, the match was fun. Uh, I was a little sad that Regal didn't go down to ringside, but it was for the better that he stayed up on commentary. Because if he's at ringside and Dan Housen's at ringside and OC's at ringside, there's going to be too much shenanigans going on outside the ring for the, us to care about the match. Yeah, plus Regal, like, asking, like, who's the demon, you know, fella, <laughs> you know? Like... Right, who's the demon waif out there, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, so there's the part where Danielson is lighting Yuta up with the kicks, right? Uh -huh. And you see Yuta just, like, not, like, backing down, like, leaning into it a little bit more. And you can kind of see, like, maybe work, maybe shoot, a little bit of a smile coming on Danielson's face as he's doing it. And then Yuta gets up and starts delivering those forearms. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I know he's got it in him, but these better be the best goddamn forearms he throws in his entire life. And they were. He fucking <laughs> clocked the shit out of Danielson. And it was awesome, right? And I'm yeah. like, oh, baby, are they going to start it tonight? Are they going to start it tonight? And then as the best friends are leaving, I'm like, they're lingering way too long and like the losing team leaving this match. I go, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And then you to just like, go on guys. And he gets in the ring and Regal gives him the slap and the way that he fucking turns and sells it and gets right up into Regal's face. And you just see Danielson like kind of creep in with a smirk on his face and nothing's official yet. But I thought that was a real cool segment, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
again, I got goosebumps from it, and I'm going to be a sound like a mark, but like I really, really just that little bit of interaction at the end of that match was enough to be excited about. It's a, it's a, it's funny how little things like that you know can get you. It's it's cool to see guys that we saw in the indies. Maybe we get to see come up from really low end on the indies and really bust their ass to get to a point. Um, you know, and I believe it. He was passed over for NXT. Um, you know, not like this class, but like two classes ago. Uh-huh. Uh, like he went to one of the tryouts and they said, no, you're not what we're looking for. And he, he's one of those guys like, you look at someone like him and you're like, he's a surefire thing and you're passing up on him. There's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with him. And the fact that he's getting that opportunity here in AEW is awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I think we have homework to talk about, Joe. We do have homework to talk about. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right, Joe. So you assigned to me AIW Wrestle Rave 2, available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. And uh, this was one of the bar shows, one of the things that you call a secondary show, Joe. Well, it's not so much as a secondary show. Uh, it's more like the uh, Flagstaff shows for ECW back in the day where you would get like your wacky matches. You would get some interesting contests that you typically wouldn't see on a main show. Maybe some tryouts, maybe some one-offs, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Well, all right. Look at you walking back your comments. Fair enough. <laughs> Listen, uh, when I said it was a secondary show or a B show, it was not in a negative way. It's a smaller yeah. crowd. It's a different ring, as they mentioned many times on commentary. Yeah, the ring is about a foot and a half off the ground, it looks like it. So... All right, so let's just go ahead and get to to the very beginning here. First match, Megan Myers versus Alice Crowley. Crowley's making her AIW debut. Wadsworth, Matt Wadsworth, is joined by Jocelyn Navarro on commentary. Uh, Myers is a spooky girl. Uh, Crowley is billed as having the size advantage. To, you know, she looked like she was about a half inch taller than Myers. But uh, there was a scary Northern Lights suplex at one point during this match. But maybe that's because I'm a little overly sensitive right now. Uh, but uh, Myers rolls up Crowley when Alice was jawing with the ref. And uh, it was an all right opener. I, I think there could have been a better opening match as far as getting the crowd pumped. But it is what it is. Yeah, and I always say when we watch these sort of shows, and I pick this, of course, um, you know, I'm not doing this to degrade anyone or to belittle anyone, but, like, these are my legitimate notes on the show. Um, And, again, I'm not doing this to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm just trying to be as uh, honest and forthcoming as possible. I thought this match was good. Six minutes. Um, Megan, um, you know, Myers is an AIW student. Alice is from the Indiana area. In a bunch of other places, she does a gimmick with, like, a unicycle. Okay. And they mentioned it on her ring introduction, and I'm like, she's not going to do the unicycle bit. Don't mention it, because if you say somebody has a fucking unicycle, I want to see the goddamn unicycle, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's all I can think about now. <laughs> right. Um, I like the beginning of the—I I like the story of this match that—and again, I know that you're saying, like, Alice had 
like a quarter inch or uh, an eighth of an inch height advantage on Megan Myers. Might have been a little bit more than that. Um, Alice should have played that up a little bit more. Uh, maybe put the the Jericho lifts in. <laughs> and I like that the story of the match that Megan was just trying to go for a quick finish. Like the first like third of the match was her just trying to go for flash pins to end it as quick as she can because of the size advantage or whatever it was. So I thought that was a great story in this match. See, I don't think you should ever try to pump up the size advantage angle unless there's a like a noticeable disparity in size. Like if somebody's you're talking with about this guy's six four and this guy's six five. Well the six five guy's got a huge advantage in size. Uh, unless it's like the giant versus Rey Mysterio, don't mention it. Well you know, I, and it's like, okay, so I'll 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 go you one better. Like, you know, we get a little bit later on in the show when you have Mikey Montgomery and J- and JB against each other, right? You yeah. play up that size di- differential, right? 100%, yeah. Now, in another match, we have Casey Carrington versus Weirdster. Later on, uh, Evan Ambrose. Now, Evan Ambrose is probably taller than Casey Carrington, but Casey Carrington probably got about 100 pounds on Weirdster. You play up that difference in the size, you know? I agree. Yeah, I mean, that I agree because it's a noticeable difference. Right. So. And again, I thought it was noticeable maybe... Not as noticeable as you're saying, but I I thought it was noticeable. (laughs) All right, moving on. We have the debuting original sins, Dick Michaels and Tyler Lydall versus members only, Calvin G. Lewis and Malcolm Cambridge. Steve Guy comes out on commentary. We have some pre-match brawling. Um, Match starts. Calvin is isolated by the heels for a little bit. Uh, Lydall had a siglet that had his name going down the side, but decided to wear pants anyways. So you just saw the word, the letters lie. Uh, but, uh, there was, a there was some room for improvement in this match. And I don't have any specific notes other than the fact that Calvin wins via a brain buster on Michaels. Uh, so Steve guy does mention in the, uh, introductions that, um, members only are the pod Van Dam award winning tag team of the year. <laughs> they were presented with their plaque at the after party. Oh, okay. Make it sure. Yeah. Um, original sins new to me, I guess. Um, uh, Malcolm and Calvin and wrestled these guys somewhere else. Got them a shot here. And I echo your sentiments. They need to work on their gear. They need yeah. better gear. Um, they didn't know what they were doing with their gear. Like you said, he's, he's got professional gear with his name on him, but then he's wearing jeans over them. And the other guys like wearing like an ill fitting, ill cut t-shirt work on your gear <laughs> yeah all right uh next up eddie only versus tkd uh i keep wanting to say tdk but that's the detachable kid uh eddie comes out cuts a promo says if you throw glow sticks at him he's gonna leave on the helicopter that he has planted on the roof uh i will say that the only good thing about eddie only is that he says he's a steelers fan so uh kudos to him uh i believe this is the first time i am seeing tkd since he wrestled effie at the tadmore a while back um only gets pantsed at some point, pulls down uh, uh, TKD, TDK, whatever, pulls down Only's pants, reveals that Only is wearing a banana hammock, uh, Only keeps bumping the ref, ref or almost bumping the ref, which leads to the ref not seeing low blow, and Eddie Only wins via top rope elbow drop after a low blow. Uh, I'm all good. This should have been your opener. Eddie only comes out because the promo does all the old school cheap heat tricks. Um, people are chanting bald spot at him. Um, we get two spots with the ref. We get two 
dick kicks in this match. <laughs> tisk tisk tisk. All right. Next up, uh, the weirdster Evan Ambrose versus the new Bone Collector Casey Carrington the third. Uh, Carrington does a sick suicide dive through the ropes, uh, and Evan Ambrose moves out of the way. So Carrington just like propels himself into the guardrail, which was sick. Uh, eventually Carson comes out and RKO's Ambrose. Carrington wins via the crossroads, and uh, Carrington and Carson end up start a beatdown on Ambrose until Dom Garini comes out and makes the save. Right. So this, you know, this match, Weirdster versus Carrington leads into Dom and Carson next. Um, we get back-to-back matches at low blows. Yeah. Hey, guys, what's up? We need to discuss <laughs> things. We need a better agent. We shouldn't be doing low blows in the second and third matches or fourth matches on the show. Um, but I, I felt as though, and at least I know Dom built it up on social media and on the podcast, um, but commentary should have built it up a little bit more that Weirdster was Dom's hired gun to take <laughs> out AC Carrington. Um, because that's hilarious in like so many different ways. It's good to give a little bit of comedy to Dom's character. Um, and you know, I love, I love the weird story. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could definitely tell you got broski stink all over AIW. The fact that there's all these low blows, low blows, mm-hmm. you know? All right. So as you mentioned, Dom Greeny versus Brian Carson, Dom is dominating this match initially, uh, until, uh, Carrington does some distracting, uh, Carson goes for a sharpshooter, and which uh, beforehand, or to counter Carson's sharpshooter, Dom goes and kicks him in the chest like 20 times, which was sick. Uh, there was an exploder suplex that was done with like really good violence by Dom, but Carson's neck was protected and was really well executed. And I told you I'm paying attention to these suplexes now. <laughs> uh, Don't become yeah, was, the safety police, all right? Yes, I'm becoming the safety police. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> Um, and eventually, uh, Dom wins via chokeouts and, uh, I don't know, again, I don't think Dom's, Dom's, uh, choke game is that great. So I've seen better. I know it doesn't look that effective, but that's just me, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, Dom wins, you know, so kudos to him. Uh, match is good. Dom is great. Um, I really like Brian. He's good as like a shitty heel. Um, he also likes Bret Hart, so he can't be all bad. Um, there were two times in this match, okay, where Casey Carrington blatantly interferes. One, the referee is supposed to be distracted. And the referee is not fucking distracted. The referee is looking right at Casey Carrington interfering in the match. Another time, Carrington, like, comes into the fucking ring. Like, of his own volition, referee barely distracted to get some stomps in on Dom. Yeah. There's better ways to do this sort of shit. I don't know, man. It didn't take anything away from the match, I don't think. Like my my hypervigilance, it was fucking with me. Like yeah. again, like once we get the, the 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 two ref spots and the two low blows in the Eddie TKD match, another low blow in the Casey Carrington match, and then two times you're you're making your refs look shitty by doing this. Uh-huh. And then you're gonna put heat on the refs as opposed to putting heat on the heels who are coming in and doing the shit. Yeah. Like, if you make your refs look bad, then, like, I don't know, then they're not, not going to have any credibility, and you can't fuck with your refs. And I'm not saying anyone did this on on purpose, but it was more so of, like, we have a spot in the match where I'm going to come and interfere. The referee needs to be distracted. Well, everybody involved needs to do a better job to make sure that that referee, including the referee, including the other heel, even the babyface, 
need to try to do their best to make sure that that referee's back is like 100% to whatever's going on behind him. So it's not like it's in the corner of his eye or whatever it is. Like he needs to be like 180 fully turned around from whatever's going on. And then you do it twice. Literally reach over the rope, grab him by the shirt, and, like, hold him. Yeah. <laughs> if you have to, like, as the heel. But All right, so next up, we have a four-way scramble. Lucky 13 versus Riley Rose versus Chase Oliver versus Big Dan Champion. Uh, very, very unsettling, the fact that Dan Champion is a babyface. Like, oh. you chug a couple <laughs> beers and people stop booing you. Like, this is, I, again, like, you people in Cleveland, you know, you're, this is maybe your first taste, uh, your first sampling of Dan Champion, but this is unnatural. This doesn't feel right. It's like Cleveland's bizarre world, Michael. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know. I guess uh, maybe he's just a heel when he works our territory. But uh, <laughs> this is like some fast-paced action at first between Lucky and Rose, which was really good. Uh, Lucky prevents prevents Big Dan from chugging in one of the biggest heel moves that you can do in this match. Um, we have a lot of big versus little spots with Dan and Lucky. I, I feel like, you know, again, initially we had the hot action between Lucky and Riley Rose, but I feel like the majority of this match was Lucky versus Big Dan. Like, the, the, the spotlight was on them. Um, eventually... Dan clears the ring, gets his chug in. Uh, Rose goes and lands a big body slam on Dan. Oliver comes in with the Death Valley driver. Uh, he dr- yeah, he DVDs Dan into the turnbuckles for the win. And uh, for some reason, John Thorne went and pumped in Please Come Back chance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that like Dan would be happy when he left. But uh I don't know. Again, I, maybe I'm biased towards the people that I know uh, that I see a lot. I, I enjoyed this match a lot. Yeah, I'm biased too. I'm getting out of the way. Uh, if I have any complaint about this match, is that a majority of it was worked at like two separate singles matches that were going on concurrently. Yeah. Like Lucky and Dan are in the ring doing their stuff. And uh, Oliver and Rose are on the outside doing their stuff. And then they kind of switch. It's like, okay, we're going to go on the outside and brawl now. Now we're going to come into the ring. A lot of it wasn't taking advantage of there being four people in the match. Um, I love Lucky. I love Dan. Those guys are great. Um, I'm glad to see Riley Rose back. Like I said, after that injury he had last year. And he seems like he hasn't missed a step. Chase Oliver is going to be a huge star as long as he can stay healthy. And maybe one of the most impressive feats of strength was him getting Dan up with ease and fucking DVDing him in the corner. I thought he fucking killed Dan. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, obviously, uh, Oliver got the win, but, like, I feel like before him getting that win, he was the least showcased person in that match. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, like, you kind of forget that he was in the match at a lot of points, you know? So it was uh, nice that he got the win at the end, but it, it was definitely not everybody was equal in that match. You know, as right, far as and this and time. so so far, this is the longest match on the show at about ten minutes, and it didn't feel like it was ten minutes. No, not at all. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have nine to five, the bitter banker, the aggravated accountant, Lewis Linden, and Jack Verbal, uh, versus the production, Derek Dillinger and Ziggy Heim. Uh, nine to five wants to hire Ziggy as an administrative assistant for thirty k a year. 
uh, plus some interesting benefits. Uh, the heels isolate Ziggy to start the match. We get the hot tag from Dillinger. Dillinger murders both members of 9 to 5 by flinging them into the corners. Um, we got some miscue, uh, and I mean that like intentional miscue with the heels accidentally hitting each other with the briefcase, leading to Ziggy pinning uh, 9 to 5 for the win off of a spinny powerbomby thing. Uh, I think Ziggy and Derek are a great tag team. Yeah. I think 9 to 5 is a good undercard heel tag act. There was just something about the four of these guys that didn't click that much. Um, more ref distraction stuff. It was done better here, but we're already one, two, three, four matches where there's like just tons of ref distraction stuff. I'll give it to you on a tag match, a little bit easier, kind of let it, letting it slide. Um, a lot of the guys' stuff didn't look as crisp, I guess. But Derek and Ziggy's uh, double-team stuff always looks great. I love that flippy powerbomb splash thing that they do. Yeah, It's, it's one of the coolest finishers a tag team does currently on the indies. Um, like I said, just uh, be a, uh, these are just my nitpicks about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Bobby Orlando with his stuffed goat Bobby Jr. versus Isaiah Broner. Broner is basically just murdering Orlando for most of this match. We get some comedy stuff from Orlando, but it's mostly just Broner just doing a murder. Uh, Broner almost kills Bobby Jr. The if it wasn't for the quick save from Porter O'Shea. Uh, and eventually Broner wins via Lariat. And I think maybe this is the either the beginning of a theme of matches ending on Lariats, or uh, there's a couple Lariat wins in this. Uh, I'm okay with that because, uh, you know, they they do the big deal with, uh, you know, your big guys, your Kaplans, your Brawners and stuff having this killer Lariat. So I'm okay with, like, those sort of guys like matching up. It's like all the battle of the lariats when they have their, it was just announced for the March 26th show that they're doing a singles match, Isaiah Bronner and Kaplan. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the winner of that is the next in line for Broski's title. Please be Kaplan. Please be Kaplan. Please be Kaplan. (laughs) Um, That being said, and again, this is not a knock on Bobby Orlando. I haven't seen a ton of him. I know he's a cap guy uh, from Brian uh, Myers' school. Um, his look reminds me, and take this what you will, of Pinky Sanchez. If you remember Pinky Sanchez from the Indies, uh, this match went about six and a half minutes. It should have went about three. This yeah. should have just been Brawner smearing this kid. He gets one or two spots in, and that's about it. It went too long. Um, I saw Isaiah Brawner sell way too much in this match, and I didn't like it. Okay. So next up, we have the main event of the evening. We have PME. Billy Collins and Marino Tanaglia, close enough, defending their AIW tag team cha- uh, titles against the challengers. Bulking season, Arthur McArthur, the strongest man in all the land, and Chuck Stone. So the challengers, bulking season, come out to techno music, which uh, it was a choice. One that I wouldn't have made if I was consulted, but I get it. It's a rave. Yeah, it's a uh, rave. Come on. Yeah. All right. Yeah, whatever. Um, but again... Uh, Philly Collins would rather be home fucking his totally real girlfriend than being (laughs) here defending the titles. Uh, but they have a message from, uh, Broski and that is a bunch of middle fingers. Um, so again, just endearing themselves with the crowd, the entire crowd, the entire arena is firmly behind bulking season for this match. Uh, we have a hot start from bulking season. A lot of the match was, uh, you know, like 
are, uh, excuse me, after a hot start from bulking season, a lot of the match was already lulling PME into a false sense of security, you know, appearing to be down and out, but, uh, you know, not really. If you were a fan, you know, that already had him right where he wanted them. Uh, but this led to the biggest hot tag in the biz, Chuck Stone coming in. Uh, Stone has an awesome bulldog sit down splash combo that I like. Uh, there was a claw assisted backbreaker from bulking season that almost got the win, but Philly grabs the ref's arm, prevents him from making the three count. He then hits the ref leading to a DQ bulking season is the uncrowned champs, but they have a win over the tag champs. And hopefully this leads to a rematch soon. And that this isn't like a Lex Luger Yoko at mania scenario where it's like, Hey, you got the win and we're moving on. Uh, this, uh, better be the. The, you know, like I said, you got to win over the tag champs, so uh, we should be number one contenders. I mean, they should be number one contenders at this point. Keep getting those title shots. Yep, this definitely did not feel like a one-off. This definitely felt like the first of at least two or three more matches. Uh, this was probably my favorite match on the show. Um, it was short. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, what was that? I said thank you. All right. It was short. It was only around nine minutes because it's the first part of probably a multi-match series. I feel as though PME are finally getting a little bit more accustomed to being heels. Mm. Um, a lot of a couple times they came out, I didn't feel like their heart was in it. Um, but when you have uh, two guys that you're working across with that are such strong baby faces and Chuck and Artie, and I think they even referenced that some of Artie's family might have been there as well. Okay. Uh, so... Again, when you have that going for you, if you can't get some heel heat out of it, then I don't know, man, like reevaluate your entire life. <laughs> um, but like I said, Artie and Chuck are getting really good as a tag team. Chuck still has like the best hot tag in the business. Um, I think his hot tag works better in the bigger ring than the smaller ring just because he's a bigger guy. But uh, like I said, this is probably my favorite match in the show just because I know – I, I feel as though I know what these four could do with a little bit more time and a little bit more steam behind them. And this is just the beginning of that train moving, you know? Yeah. So even though we just had the main event, uh, they did decide to have another match afterwards. And that is Kaplan versus the Duke. The Duke is defending the Haas division golden boot. Uh, this had big match feel, obviously, you know, this is uh, a title that uh, the Duke has held for the last 1,544 days. Uh, you know, the Duke looks like a million bucks. And basically, uh, Dom advises Steve Guy to use his cash app inst uh, instead of PayPal to avoid getting taxes. Good advice. <laughs> um, Kaplan ends up winning the match by DQ when the Bitcoin boys interfere. Uh, the shooters, Rip City shooters, come out. Uh, you know, just kind of for the save, which leads to our real main events. The Duke, though, is still our Haas Division Golden Boot champion. So we have for the real main event, the Rip City Shooters, Josh Bishop, Wes Barkley versus Kaplan and oh, I'm sorry, and Kaplan versus the Bitcoin Boys and the Duke. Go ahead. <laughs> fun, fun brawl. Um, I knew there was going to be some chicanery with the Duke walking out of there. Uh, 100, uh, I'm sorry, 1,500. Uh, 51 days as of this recording, plus as the Golden Boot Haas Championship, uh, a title I introduced into AIW, mind you, just so you yeah. know. Get, so get, again, get uh, you know, as long as that boot still sticks around with Duke doing all of his defenses in Rio de Janeiro and so forth, <laughs> you know, I'm getting a cut of that fucking money every month, you know? So, yeah. Um, obviously, you couldn't beat Kaplan here. Um, I, I feel as though 
when Kaplan versus Broski happens, that's going to be the best match ever. And it's going to make <laughs> for some interesting podcast discourse as well. Um, but then when it's a six man, it was a fun brawl. It was just like, this felt like a chaotic ECW style thing. Obviously the doors and everything. Um, oh, so- I, I, I have notes for the main event there. I was just, Oh, okay. I oh, just want to talk it. about the singles match. Yeah. 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 I think the, the singles match portion only went about four minutes, right? You know, got to protect the Duke. Uh, got to protect uh, Kaplan. All right. So as you said, the six-man main event, uh, this match tore the roof down, uh, or at least some cabling from it. Uh, I am still <laughs> mad at Josh Bishop for cutting his hair. Uh, quickly devolves into a brown all uh, a brawl all around the arena. We have chairs. We have doors set up in all four corners. Except for there's one door that just refuses to break. And uh, no matter how many times big men spear other big men into it or DVD other men into it, uh, that door, uh, they they should literally just bronze that thing and take it from event to event because that is uh, the the, the stiffest door on the planet. Um, At one point, Kaplan gets his head pilmanized in a chair. Mikey and Josh did like a spot where like Mikey kind of biffed it, but like there was really good improvisation from both of the guys where, you know, like for as young as Bishop is, you would think that he would stumble there, but like they were really good at adjusting on the fly. Um, But anyways, Bishop puts Eric Taylor on a door that's outside the ring, kind of between the uh, guardrail and the apron. And he DVDs Mikey onto Taylor. Mikey's foot grabs like some cables that were hanging from the ceiling. You can clearly hear somebody yell, go home. Uh, <laughs> Captain Larry's Duke uh, for the win. Um, yeah. So uh, like I said, it was fun, chaotic brawl. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of this, this discussion, uh, these shows are like those, non-ECW arena ECW shows uh, at the Flagstaff or the Ag Hall or wherever it is, where it's just like, oh, here's a random mishmash of six guys. They're just going to have a crazy brawl that goes all throughout the building. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, Poor Mikey getting paired up with JB for most of it. Um, (laughs) So many different times it's like, all right, Mikey's going to waffle JB with a chair. And JB just gonna pop up and no sell it like fucking Sid, and the crowd's <laughs> gonna go crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, like I can't. Like, obviously, like you know, sometimes you get to, uh, the biggest baby face is always the biggest heel first. The biggest heel is always the biggest baby face first. But like Josh, looking the way that he does, haircut or not, you know, taking just like the stiffest fucking chair shots, getting chopped the fuck, and then just like popping up and no selling it, like. How could you not cheer that? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that's what cool motherfuckers do, you know? And yeah. JB is definitely a cool motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I enjoyed the show. Again, uh, I, I really wish that I had pulled off that tag title win, but uh, there's always next time. <sighs> yeah, next time. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a fun show. So, so uh, I do have to say this as we close out this edition of Homework, right? Uh, listening to, uh, young Ed on pod Van Dam this week where he says, Oh, I have to, I did things in my notes app. So I would remind them. Right. (laughs) So I'm, I'm closing out this edition of the notes app that I started way back when you assigned us that heat up show that Ed gave you. Uh, so I filled up an entire 70 page notebook with notes for this show, long box heroes, every other show that I have been on. And now I got to go to get a new notebook. Oh, yeah. See, here's the thing, man. I'm telling you, I say this all the time. There's money to be made in that notebook. Nah, it's going to go at the bottom of the pile of the other notebooks <laughs> that I have over there. 
We can auction all those things off. You'll make some money there. Or or just print them into books. Yes. Serious offers only. <laughs> like, you know how, like, Jericho's last book was just basically a listing of all the matches he had? Yeah. It wasn't, like, a real, like, actual, uh, like, book book, but, like, with, like, uh, words and stuff. But, like, this could be, like, your coffee table book, just like Joe's podcast notes. And, well, like, commentary notes. Right, the commentary notes from... Uh... All the wrestling that I've done. Eh, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> All right. So as I talked about at the beginning of the show, we will not be doing a podcast next week, Joe. Right. So I am going to assign homework, but this is homework for two weeks from now. And because I keep angling to get a shout out at the beginning of the card is going to change podcast. I am going to set as homework. AIW. The doctor is in which takes place sometime between now and when we record again. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's the 26th. Um, I'll be uh, returning the next day or so, so I'll have time to watch it before we record again on the uh, 31st, right? Yep. Perfect. That's going to be a hell of a show. They've, uh, like I said, they, they announced Kaplan versus uh, Isaiah Bronner. Uh, the major players versus the Rip City Shooters, uh, to infinity and beyond against uh, 2.0. I do remember their real fake names from AEW. Now I do, I promise. <laughs> um, and I forget what else they've announced, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a card. AIW always delivers. So I figured again, the best type of homework is stuff you're going to watch, anyways. So yeah, you'll just have to keep an eye out for whenever Thorn, Steve, Guy. Uh, call for, like, oh, we're recording the podcast today. We'll, we'll be shouting out, you know? Mm -hmm. So just make sure that you tag them and say, hey, we've been talking about AIW a bunch of the podcast. Give us a shout out. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I'll guarantee you Thorne don't know that I do this podcast. <laughs> Damn it. He'll be like, oh, some guy Adam has a podcast and they talk about it. And, like, somebody will smarten him up and say, oh, that's Spostos podcast. And be like, oh, son of a bitch. I didn't know Joe does a podcast. <laughs> that sounds about right. That's about that's about our advertising push that I expect. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's get into voicemail here. How about that? Oh, all right. Just going to change things up a little bit. We're still working on the voicemail stuff, right? Yeah. We'll get into plugs, then we'll get into everything else. Hello, Adam Wrestling. It is the strongest man, all the land, Austin MacArthur, at your service. It is St. Patrick's Day. Beer and corned beef is flowing. And I love this day, especially because it's the day before my birthday. But enough about me. Yes. I saw Mr. David Bix, good friend of AIW, saying that there's no more good Dans in wrestling. There's only one good Dan, apparently. And I was bothered by this. Because obviously he had left out Dan Champion. And I know some people may not like him, but I like Dan the Dad. I like working with him. Fine fellow. My question for you guys. Think at the bottom of your heart. Think as far as you can. I think we need to prove David Dix wrong. Find another great Dan in wrestling. And no, Dan Housen does not count. That's not his actual name. He's Donovan Dan Housen. If you want to be technical... But yes, go ahead. Find me a good Dan in wrestling that's not Dan Champion, Dan the Dad, or I, I forget who's that shit. I, 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 I'm not looking at it right now. But yeah, do what you gotta do. Love you guys. Love the show. Love you long time. And happy St. Patrick's 
Well, happy St. Patrick's Day and happy birthday, Artie. And this is a really, really easy one. I think the best Dan in all of sports and entertainment is Dan Lambert. How dare you? <laughs> Associated with like one of the, the hottest angles, you know, you got Scorpio Sky, you got all those MMA guys that are just bringing in the bringing in the eyes on the show. Uh, those those hot uh, shoot promos that he does. Edge of your seat stuff. Dan Lambert's my pick. All right. Well, um, I got a couple, right? <laughs> so obviously, um, you know, living or living or dead, uh, dead. Sadly, we would have to mention Danny Hodge, who is one of the greatest uh, wrestlers of all time. And uh, even though it's not his name currently uh, for a good chunk of his life, uh, you know, at least for the last 10 years or so, uh, Brian Danielson was known as Daniel Bryan. <laughs> so I would say that he's probably a good one uh, to throw on the list. I'm just looking to see here. Most of them are pretty bad. Danny <laughs> Doring. Danny <laughs> Doring is the AIW pick. Uh, I know that is uh, Derek Dillinger's dream match to get an, a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Danny Doring. So uh, I'll say my pick is Danny Doring. Okay, see, I literally have my phone here, and I just, I'm on the Google, and I type Pro Wrestler Dan. Me and, too! Uh, okay, you were leaving out the fourth thing that was suggested is Dana Brooke. <laughs> no, that's not Dan, that's Dana. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for the uh, call, Artie. Sorry for your recent loss, and uh, begrudgingly have a happy birthday. <laughs> Next call. Hey guys, Kevin here once again to call in. So, uh, update from something on Twitter. Um, I asked, uh, well, actually, my son asked what the worst promotion in the world is. And I got some response that it is control your narrative. So, I put some of that up on YouTube for him. And my eight year old said, Dad, this is absolute garbage. This is the worst thing wrestling I've ever watched. Can you please never play it again? Reminder, he's eight. <laughs> but then, uh, last night, as of your recording date, uh, we watched Thunder Rosa win the AEW women's title. And I was very happy, and he got into it and enjoyed the show and had fun and was talking about it all and was very engaged. And I, I'm thinking of stuff of, like, I was hanging out with friends when CM Punk cashed in Money in the Bank. Uh, I made sure that I went to an indie show when one of my favorite local indie wrestlers, like near 15 years ago, won the local title. Um, I remember being uh, with friends for two events this day in wrestling history. And I was just thinking about like all of those mean something more because I wasn't watching it alone. Like I was either there live or with friends or having a gathering or having a party or, or whatever it might be. So my question for you guys tonight is, can you think of a moment wrestling related where you were happy you were with other people to enjoy it with other people that it meant more and you have a great memory because you weren't by yourself watching it, whether live or whether at home on TV. So uh, thank you guys for always putting out a great show. Looking forward to hearing this show tonight and many more shows to come. Okay. 
Uh, I think the things that jump right out at me, um, as far as like live and in person, uh, I'm going to go with just for recency bias. When I went to the Atlantic city GCW show with, uh, Dave and Brett and DJ, I think that that was enhanced. Like if I was just watching that at home, uh, on my computer, stealing it off a pay-per-view, it would not have been the same as if I was there, (laughs) you know, and just getting the reaction of those guys. And, uh, I think that was a blast. And, uh, I don't know, like watching on TV, uh, I don't watch a lot of wrestling on TV with other people. So I, I'd have to like, look back uh, a ways. Nothing jumps out at me for that, but I'm going to go with the GCW, the, the Nick Gage, uh, uh, Cardona match. Well, you know, you mentioned, of course, uh, Brett and DJ off of, uh, we need wrestling. And I do have the Opportunity to get a chance to go and watch the AEW and some of the WWE pay-per-views with them. I don't think I'll be going to see WrestleMania over two days with them. I think that's going to be wanting to stay home and watch alone. But as someone who has no problem doing most other forms of entertainment alone, like I've gone to the movies tons of time by my by myself, um, you know, whatever you could think of. But when it comes to a wrestling show, I always go with someone. Or at the Mm -hmm. very least, the plan is made that I'm going to meet up with someone there. It's like, all right, we're all going to meet up there, whatever. Or we're going to meet up afterwards or whatever. I've never gone to a wrestling show alone. So to pick one instance would be tough. Um, You know know what? Just because it got some play recently in the last couple of weeks and a lot of people got a chance to see it for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time was the uh, 2003 Death Before Dishonor show from the Rexplex in Rahway, New Jersey. That was the Raven versus CM Punk dog uh, collar match. Okay. I was there with uh, Doug of Wings on Wings and DJ, uh, our friend Bill. I was there with my wife. We made anti-CM Punk signs. We were sitting front row. We had a blast. It was a great time. Yeah. Who knew that if uh, that version of Joe met the current <laughs> super fan of CM Punk Joe, like if he would believe it, you know, I, I wrote a strongly worded email to Tony Khan that there was no CM Punk on Dynamite this week. <laughs> no vignette, no mentions, no nothing. How can we miss him if he doesn't go away? I heard somebody say that once. Right. Hope right. That guy gets hit by a bus. <laughs> All right. Pink button time. Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, happy uh, St. Patrick's Day. Celebrate by watching that Finley match where he beats the shit out of Matt Hardy. Um, so somebody released this picture, like, on Twitter of EC3 looking absolutely fucking yoked, and they were, like, clearest usage of steroids I've ever seen in my life, and they meant that as, like, a negative thing, and I, uh, I don't get it. Because, like, if wrestling Twitter wants to control your narrative to, like, be laughed at, why would they show awesome shit like the fact that EC3 abuses steroids? That's the coolest. Um, it'd be like if they wanted me to hate GCW by being, like, Nick Gage does a ton of ketamine. And, like, well, that's <laughs> fucking awesome that Nick Gage uh, abuses horse tranquilizer. I'm not saying he's using that as a, a hypothetical example. Um... MBK stands for, uh, must, uh, uh, I don't know. There's a fat joke there and I can't think of it. Um, very high and very tired. 
so yeah, that's basically it. Is like why why would they show awesome shit about control your narrative like steroid abuse? Uh, also, did you see those rules? No hashtag super kicks. I wonder what they'll do the first time that somebody does the hashtag super kick. What the difference between a normal super kick and a hashtag super kick is. This is one of my worst calls, guys. I'm fucking exhausted. We're working so hard. I want to. I, I hate it. I. This is all I got. This is it. <laughs> okay. Bye. All right. So Ed does just call right back because he did remember his joke. Okay, we'll just have Justin delete the first one. Uh, MGK stands for must devour calories. I just remembered. Got it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It was very important that Ed get his joke in there. Um, So I'm torn in regards to this whole EC3 um, you know, and being all vascular and stuff. I will say, uh, and this is a is gonna be a bold take, right? Okay. I don't think that EC3 is on steroids. I <laughs> okay. just think that he's on some weird fucked up diet that makes his body look like all dysmorphosized. Um, <laughs> which is equally as unhealthy as being on steroids. Now, on the flip side, if control your narrative which i do have muted and blocked so i can't see any of this stuff and i'm gonna get i'm i'm real close to the point of like all these fucks that i have like muted and blocked and so forth and the people start like screen capping like what they say and then that ends up on my timeline i might start muting and blocking you so stop doing that right um but if control your narrative comes out as the 100 pro mandatory steroid promotion <laughs> I might be on board <laughs> like as you're walking in they have to shoot you in the ass right? yeah like they have a doctor on site it's like well did you shoot up today have you taken steroids no I didn't well you can't go out to the ring unless you've taken these pills and I <laughs> inject you with this not the fans on steroids the wrestlers on steroids well, let's not let's not be so hasty. Let's get the fans on board too. <laughs> after after six months and nobody knows how to properly work out or cycle, everyone comes out like these giant distended muscle guts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm on the same page. I love every bit of this. Right. <sighs> All right. So that's all we got for calls. Of course, uh, independentwrestling.tv, aka Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Whether you want to check out Wrestle Rage, uh, Wrestle Rave Two from this past week, you want to check out the Doctor is in coming up next Saturday. Uh, you've never used InternetWrestling.tv before? Use our promo code at odds. Uh, new subscribers, just let Jerry know that you came to him from us. But I have a feeling you're going to find a lot of stuff in there that you're going to like. Um, you could buy stuff from our T Public store, linked up through the uh, mothership tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes sales next week 35% off everything next week I'm going to be away you want to make a purchase do it then shirts stickers pins with designs inspired by this show longbox heroes longbox heroes after dark final wrestling place hit my music and so on and if you really want to help us out of course you can make any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link uh, does not cost you anything extra. The link is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Um, but they, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. 
I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody went pop crazy. And I feel bad that we're inspiring this on the show because we talk <laughs> at regular that like, oh, I don't need these pops. And Adam's going through a Funko purge. Somebody went and purchased all of the Peacemaker-themed um, Funko pops. There's the Peacemaker in his underwear. There's the Vigilante with the chainsaw. Peacemaker uh, with Eagly hugging him. And then the flocked Eagly Amazon pop exclusive, whatever. And then I look at them and I'm like, oh, I'm getting itchy. I might need one of these, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm able to keep it in. And then uh, I saw somebody else purchased a two pack of the White Stripes Funko Pops. And I know they're doing a lot of these uh, like music ones where it's like, this is how this musical act looked when they put out this album and they do a whole thing of it. And like, if you're into music, you're into Funko Pops. Go buy them through our Amazon link. Yeah. I can't speak about the Peacemaker Funkos. Uh, you know, I think that's a, a wise investment. But uh, as far as the White Stripes one goes, that's that's definitely because I enabled somebody. So I'm very uh, proud of the fact that I, f I am forcing somebody who has been very publicly anti-Funko Pop in the past. Uh, yes. I keep finding ways to get him to buy Funko. So I'm very happy about that. Gotcha. All right. Speaking of other things I'm happy about, and that is listening to these other podcasts. And those podcasts include Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, Hellions Talks, Wings on Wings, and Viewer's Choice. And as always, Joe... I'm not going to even give a second of promotion or airtime to the podcast that I've dropped from my plugs, you know, between the sheets, the A show, final wrestling place, the heck with those shows, Joe, I'll never mention them. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> but I think that's it for the, for the main show. As we move into like the last 50% of the show, it seems like. <laughs> a little some might cost a lot but i'm the hundred dollar vansky and your figures will be bought <laughs> so I'll start this off. This is short. I had no purchases. I came close. Oh. Two days ago, uh, I saw them tweeting out that on Thursday, a pre-order was going to go live for uh, fifth. Uh, what anniversary is this for Spider-Man this year? You think I would know? Uh, fifty, right? Fiftieth anniversary for Spider-Man. Because it was it was sixty when 16. I started collecting. Right. It was thirtieth when you started collecting. It's been thirty years since. Thanks oh to my God. I know. Hey. We, we're like, oh, boy, those things that happened 25 years ago make us old. <laughs> anyway, 60-year anniversary for Spider-Man. They had two new Marvel Legends go up that were going to go on pre-order today. One was Dr. Octopus uh, in the classic garb. One was Silk, which is the lady Spider-Man. I think she might be. Uh, that's Cindy Moon. The other one is uh, Peter Parker's secret sister. I go, all right. I know the Dr. Octopus Legends figure that's out there right now is a little expensive. I'm going to pre-order this one. I go to click on the link. It's a two pack. You got to oh. get the two of them together. 
I like silk just fine. I don't want no silk. I want a Dr. Octopus. So yeah. I had to pass on that one. Especially since you're becoming more of a mint on card guy. Yes, I'm definitely a mint on card box. guy. Um, you know, I, I would and like I, I have like the secret thing in my back pocket before the Bib Fortuna stuff started that I was going to be like, oh, what if I get like all the classic Spider-Man villain Marvel Legends? But that's something that I got into way too late and they're way too expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, you said that there will be more reissues. That I'm sure that Doc Ock, they'll use that mold and everything, and they'll sell it as a single, you know, maybe a couple months from now or a year from now or whatever, you know? Right, and I'll keep my eyes peeled for that. And side note, um, I don't know if – I don't think we talk about it on uh, After Dark this week. It may have been on the last episode of the main show. Um, apparently, the big um, uh, Book of Fett uh, Jabba's Palace thing – uh uh-huh. the Boba Fett that comes with that, according to the description now, it is going to come in its own separate uh, Star Wars black figure packaging inside the regular packaging. Yeah, um, that was on After Dark, and I was one of those things where I was yelling at the uh, the podcast, and you are right, it will be on its own vintage card, yes. because it's the same way as the Razor Crest. The Razor Crest came with some figures. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it, those were individually carded. So uh, you will be able to grab that Bib Fortuna when somebody who just wants the throne, yep. you know, is like, I don't want this guy and fucking gets rid of it. So you'll exactly. Be so yeah. I'm 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 ready to go. I'm prepared. When's that shipping? Like next August, I think. Uh, yeah, you got a while because people are just getting their Razor Crest now. Yeah. You know. All right. Um. Yeah, and speaking of things that, like, selling, like, unrelated, but as soon as my friggin' retros come, I'm selling all those. I decide I don't even want the Piper. I'm just keeping it shit all, like, sealed in the shipping box and selling it as is. Aww. I, I, I wanted the Piper, and I was going to sell the rest of them, but it's just like, then I got to buy a Defender for it. Then where am I going to put it? It's just the whole thing. And then it's like, do I get somebody from Series 2? And, yeah. I have rules, Joe, and I'll get into those in a little bit, but I have new rules for collecting. All right. All right, but before I get into wrestling figures, I'm going to be very quick, and I will say, as uh, those who follow me on social media know, I am just now getting out of an 18-year relationship uh, with a guy named Ben, and I am starting things off something new, something new and exciting with a new guy named Mitch Mitchell, (laughs) the new quarterback of the Steelers, and I had to go and buy his autographed rookie card. I bought a 2017 Leaf Trinity autographed rookie with a jersey swatch limited to 25 and i went and bought that uh it was more expensive than a trubisky card should ever be but uh it is what it is and uh so i was happy i got that card ordered and then i went to bed and then i woke up in a cold sweat yelling does he have a funko pop and yes joey does have a funko pop so i ordered that as well uh so i'm starting off my new relationship with my new quarterback with some purchases yeah, and again, I don't follow no football or nothing, but I saw like teams that I recognize, your Steelers, uh, Todd's Ra- Raiders making some big moves uh, over the last like couple days, maybe. Literally everybody is making big moves in all of football and all of baseball, except for the New York Yankees, because they're a broke-ass piece of shit franchise. But other than that, yes, uh-huh. lots of moves. <laughs> Um, and one other thing before I get to the new rules of collecting is, are you familiar with the company SH Figuarts? Uh, yes. So like super detailed imported figures. 
Um, but basically, I bought an SHP Arts Mandalorian figure, and I'll shoot you a picture while I'm talking. But this went up for pre-order like maybe a month or two ago and very surprisingly shipped it already. I actually already have it. But I've said before that I collect Mandalorian uh, Black Series figures, and this is maybe a little bit bigger than a Black Series figure, but like super, super, super detailed. This is basically like the equivalent of like an Ultimate figure or a Supreme figure in the Star Wars universe. But uh, uh, this has satisfied my need of getting anything else from this brand because this brand is super expensive, and I'm done <laughs> unless they come out with an Azrael SH Figure Arts, you know. Did they just recently maybe put up for pre-order a um, WandaVision Scarlet Witch? Probably. They have, like, every franchise. I know they have a lot of Marvel stuff that I've been tempted with before. Um, a couple of years back, they did some wrestling stuff. Like, there was a Rock and a Stone Cold and a Triple H. and uh, So they have a lot of different figures and franchises. Gotcha. Because I, I, I saw a lot of people tweeting out the... They're making fun of the face, like not the face looked bad. Face? <laughs> yeah, the face. But the face that Wanda was making on the figure was like the I can't find my keys face or something, you know? <laughs> um, but no, those figures are very nice, very detailed. And obviously I feel as though a lot of the a lot of our bigger like Marvel Ultimates, let's just say, or the yeah. Super Sevens, whatever's, were kind of like, let's do dumbed down versions of these. Yeah. Yeah. So I grabbed that, and that's my last non-wrestling figure. And I had decided uh, during this week, and probably prior to this, I need to figure out some way to, I don't want to say slow down my purchases of figures, but maybe have some structure, Joe. Uh, because as I add more things to the toy room, I'm, I'm realizing that space is becoming a premium. Uh, I do not have the money currently to get an apartment for my toys. So uh, I have to kind of like figure out some rules. And I kind of workshopped this over the last couple days after last week. And I do have some rules of what I can and I can't buy wrestling figure related. So okay. do you want to hear those? Please. Right. So this is basically a list of what I can buy. All right. So number one, I will and can buy every WWE Ultimate and AEW Supreme figure. Okay. So I had already said I'm buying on all the Ultimates, you know, uh, and I mentioned on the podcast last week that I will buy all the Supremes as they come out, just because they're cool shit. Just as a side note, you did hear on uh, Hawkins and Broski this week them talking why the Sean and the Brock are getting re-released as Ultimates. Uh, yeah, because uh, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. The fact yeah. that they were, like, produced at lower numbers. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right, so Ultimates and Supremes. Automatically, blank check, I can get those. No big deal. All right. Uh, second question, their second rule is, if it's a store exclusive, I can buy it. So that doesn't mean I'm going to. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to buy every single store exclusive. But, like, if I go to a store and I see, like, a Target Legends figure... Or a Walmart exclusive AEW figure. I am allowed to buy it because it's a store exclusive. Make sense? Doesn't matter who the person is, store exclusive, it's a purchase. Well, no, no, no. It, it doesn't mean I'm going to buy it, but I'm allowed to buy it. Oh, you're allowed to buy it. Okay. Yes. It, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to buy this just because this is a store exclusive. No, it's just, again, if I see a figure, I'm like, oh, I want that. I have to ask myself these questions. Like, is it an ultimate? Is it a Supreme? Is it a store exclusive? If any of these answers are yes, then I am allowed to buy it. 
Make sense? Gotcha. All right. I'm uh, with you. Is it a chase? If it's a chase, I'm allowed to buy it. Now, obviously, an AEW chase is a big difference between that and a WWE chase. But, like, you know, if I, if I see, you know, a figure that uh, – a WWE figure that's just a chase, you know, a one in five chase, I'm allowed to buy it if I want it. I'm not going to necessarily buy it just because it's there, but I'm allowed to. All right? All right, I'm with you. Is it a rookie figure? Is it their first ever figure? <laughs> so if that's the case, I'm allowed to buy it. All right. And I'm going to get to and explain to how I use these rules recently. Uh, this one's going to sound a little broad and you're going to probably have an exception with this one, but it's, is it someone that I collect? So what I mean by that is I will buy every single Orange Cassidy figure I ever made. So if it's his 27th figure or if it's his 100th figure, I'm going to buy every one of them because it's someone I collect. Is it an Alexa Bliss figure, like an Elite or an Ultimate? I'm going to buy it because I collect Alexa Bliss. No uh, basics, though, right? No basics, yeah. So there are people that I have been collecting or I've started a collection with recently that I'm just going to continue to buy all the figures, and that's okay because it's an established collection. Does that make sense? Right. You're not starting any new collections unless it's a rookie and then they get a bunch of figures. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, again, if I, there's somebody that I collect. And my final thing on here is I am allowing myself an exception of a purchase of a figure that is over three years old, which means that it might not quite fall into one of the other categories, but due to the passage of time, I've determined that uh, I, I want the figure. <laughs> so, all right, let me explain how I use this. So this past weekend on Doll Safari, uh, I went out and I was shocked to find uh, a, a full assortment. Well, not a full assortment. The Hogan was missing, but of like Elite 92 or something like that. And this was the lineup that had the canceled Rob Van Dam figure because he had the Land of the Rising Sun signal. Yeah, okay. And uh, I kind of wanted the Rob Van Dam. I kind of wanted the Sami Zayn because it's like the first Sami Zayn where he's got long hair and the beard and like the the fatigues outfit. And they had uh, Kevin Owens. So I kind of wanted the Kevin Owens. So I'm standing there. I'm looking at all these figures and I'm like, all right, none of these are ultimates or Supremes. None of these are store exclusives or chases. None of these are rookie figures. And I don't collect any of these people. So I was able to put them all down and walk away, Joe. Wow. Look at you showing self-control. You set a bunch of rules for yourself and you actually followed them. I did. I did. And like, thank you. And one thing I had on my Amazon wish list and I haven't pulled the trigger on it, but there is that first figure of Jonah, uh, Bronson Reed. Yes. You know, the one in the Bam Bam gear. I got so that one. Yes. Yeah, that's like 15 bucks on Amazon right now. And I was like, oh, I've wanted that figure for a while. And that is not an Ultimate or Supreme. It is not a store exclusive or a chase. And it's not somebody I collect, but Joe, it's a rookie figure, so it counts. There you go. So, like, I am allowed to buy that. So, uh, I, again, these rules are not hard and fast. Like, uh, who knows how long they'll last, but they did save me from potentially buying three Elites this past weekend. So we shall see. Uh, hopefully they, they hold true. Right, and this is in a financial situation it's a, uh, a, a space situation. Yes, it, it's clearly a space thing. It's I do not have any room. Uh, it's going to be to the point where even a Scott Hall walk through the toy room isn't going to get you through it. 
I know we had gotten stuff for the folks that are on the um, whatchamacallit, the ringside uh, list as I pull this up here as we're watching. We had gotten an email a couple hours ago that ringside now has the goon in stock where the yep. goon was like a hot figure for like a month or two ago where nobody yeah. could find it and everything else like that. But it's available right now on a uh, ringside if you really want it. Yeah. And they had uh, the Zodiac right before that. Like, Ooh, I didn't ago. get the email for Zodiac. It might not still be there, but I got an email saying it was available. And that's the weird thing. Cause these were like the figures that like previously you would get like exclusive to target or exclusive to Walmart. Like remember yeah. the comma was exclusive and the, uh colonel mustafa and i'm just kind of curious out there he is yeah, yeah zodiac's still available yeah so if you want to pay oh, the he's on a pre-order yeah. he's on pre-order now uh it might have been on pre-order before i'm not sure but i knew he popped up i had the email about it so well like i said goon that's a rookie figure i don't know <laughs> well again i am allowed to buy it but i'm right. not going to i don't want it oh, okay if if I saw that in a store for twenty bucks, I might, but I'm not spending no thirty five. Right, you don't need a sucker's premium for this. Nah, nah, that's more of an impulse buy. That's a pack of gum at the checkout. <laughs> All right. So speaking of things I did buy, Joe, uh, and this falls into the rules, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and that is I did pre-order the Ultimate Series for Brock Lesnar and Shawn Michaels from Ringside. That was a foregone conclusion. I said that I was looking forward to those coming out or being reissued, so I, I jumped on those. So remind me, how are we looking? What with these on pre-order and whatever, like you know, obviously whatever pre-orders that you have out there. Yeah. What ultimates are you missing on the WWE side? Uh, I, I I'm missing a decent amount of like the early stuff. So okay. Um, I mean, not a ton. So I still have not gotten my Amazon exclusive Hulk Hogan. Uh, like the the red and yellow hall. Yeah. Uh, that's still when it comes, it comes. Um, but like I want to say, so series one was Ronda Rousey and WCW Ultimate Warrior. I don't have either of those. Um, I do not have series two, which was Bret Hart and somebody else. Um, I don't have a list in front of me. I, I there okay. was a. Yeah, there was a series that was Amazon exclusive back in the day, which was The Rock and Charlotte. I don't have either of those. I'm probably missing like six or seven Ultimates. Okay. But like out of the 30 that they've released, you know? That's not bad. Yeah. Especially you getting so late into the game on it. Yeah, because I was actually able to get lucky because I, I mentioned months ago that there was like the Finn Balor and the Triple H that had been like long since out of print that they found a couple cases at Entertainment Earth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I was able to fill in those and, you know, this Sean and Lesnar is going to help me out. But uh, I'm actually just Googling now Ultimate Series figure checklist because now I'm curious because I know I was I was having a conversation with the boar about this and we were talking about ultimates and who got fucked out of figures and whatever. All right, so here it is. Uh series 1 was as I said Rousey and Warrior. I don't have either of those. Series 2 was Brett and Shinsuke and I have the Shinsuke. Okay. Uh series 3 is Balor and Triple H. I have those. 4 we just talked about. Uh 5 is John Cena which I have and Becky Lynch which I don't. I think John, like that John Cena one was maybe like the first one that you got? Um, It was one in the earlier. Okay. I was starting to go back and get ones that I was missing. The first one I ever bought was NWO Hogan. Gotcha. Um, And then like series six is the Charlotte and Rock. And I have everything since then, you know, that's that's at least out. 
you know? Yeah. But, uh, and I'll have all the Supremes, but. All right. And just so, again, just so we're not here all day, I purchased <laughs> from Shop AEW the Unmatched Series 2 Sting. Uh, I've been trying to get the standard Sting figure for a while, and this doesn't fall into my rules, but I bought it before the rules were in place. <laughs> and it was one of those things where, like, if you try to order the Sting from ringside, it's like 35 bucks, and they're like, we'll ship it to you in, like, the fall. Uh. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. And Shop AEW had them up, and they were, like, 25 bucks. And then like five dollars for a defender, and like shipping was okay. So I got it for like thirty-seven dollars shipped, which I'm happy with. Because That's not these bad. Have, these haven't been popping up in like the major group, so like the the Walmart exclusive ones have, but the standard one is the one I needed. You know? Yeah. All right, and one one other figure purchase. <laughs> so, and this does fall into the rules. I actually purchased this today. And are you familiar with just listening to the Major Pod group? Uh, they talk about uh, the Major Mark Shawnee Caulfield. Yes. And they're like, oh, this guy's like so nice. It's almost like not it's unsettling how nice he is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I've started talking to him a little bit here and there. And and I'll tell you what, Joe, it's fucking annoying how nice of a guy this is. <laughs> this guy is like. Like, I just want to hate him because he's so goddamn nice. It's freaking, it bothers me. <laughs> but I ended up working out a deal with him, and I am purchasing from him, or I did purchase, I'm waiting for him to ship it, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive WWE Elite Shockmaster figure. Oh, nice. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this is the one that is packaged upside down because he's falling through the wall in the packaging. Right. Yeah, so uh, this has actually been on my want list for a while. This wasn't an impulse purchase. Uh, I had said right after I bought the Slim Jim Macho that my next uh, target was the uh, this exclusive uh, Shockmaster figure. And uh, Shawnee, that son of a bitch, <laughs> he went and gave me a good price and was super nice about it. And uh, it bothers me so much. But yeah, I bought it from him. And uh, Why did I think that was um, like a sh maybe a shared exclusive somewhere else? Um, think the Shockmaster, like, there was stories of people finding them, like, out in the wild. Uh, if there was, I, I know nothing about it. Okay. You know, like, yeah, it's been a while. It's my... an older exclusive. It's like a four or five-year-old exclusive, right? Yeah, yeah. This, this is, like, I don't know how. It's several years old. Like, I want to say at least four years old. Yeah. But I've wanted it for a while. I remember watching on WCW, like, Saturday night or Sunday night when he came out. So uh, I popped it for that. All right, I do have one other purchase. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, so if you remember on uh, the 16th, 316 day, uh, Broski was going to go on whatnot, you know, my good buddy Broski, and he was going to sell a bunch of Austin 316, Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff. And I don't really want no Austin stuff, but I was home. I, was, I had nothing going on, so I was going to watch the feed. And I was watching it, and as I said, nothing of interest on there. But he sold through all the Austin stuff and then was like, you know what? I got some more time. I'm going to go and just grab some stuff out of the garage, and I'm going to sell some other stuff. Oh, the garage where the foam items are. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't buy any foam stuff. So, uh, so he's, you know, he's selling this. He's selling that. He's, he's throwing in more wedding brawlers. You'd be surprised how many wedding brawlers he keeps finding, Joe. <laughs> but, oh, he's, uh, he's, got uh, a, he's got a couch made of them. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, he puts up this one item. And it's actually a reasonable price. And it's a one of three item. Mm. All right, there's only three of them made. Uh, he has one. Brian has one. And somebody else has one. And he's putting up, Broski's putting up his. And it's like a decent price. And there's a little bit of activity on it. And it's getting close to the end. And I've I've said this before. I've never bought anything from whatnot. I've never even placed a bid. But right, because you know, we we've discussed this privately. I think where like you have the account, but you'd never connected any sort of payment option to it. Well, no, I did. I I did connect a payment thing to it. At least maybe since the last time we discussed. Okay. I might have been tempted before, but I've still never made a purchase before. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I linked the payment to it, but it was just sitting dormant. Uh, so anyways, there's this item. He puts it up. It's got a little bit of bidding, but, you know, it's getting close to the end. And I'm kind of like, oh, that should be more expensive than that. I'm going to just throw a bid out there just to, like, fuck with these guys. <laughs> and, you know? and uh, so I throw a bid in. You know, it goes up a little bit. And then uh, the countdown starts. And, and nobody's bidding against me, Joe. <laughs> Uh-oh. And I'm like, come on, somebody bid. Somebody bid. And nobody bid. So I, I am now the proud owner. Of an Under Armour polo shirt that says Major Bendy's on the chest. It's a one of three. The three people that owned one were Broski, Brian, and Knick. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, now it's down to Knick, Brian, and me. <laughs> That's the only three people to own a Major Bendy's corporate shirt. Because they said that they were going to wear these if they were promoting the uh, the Bendy's line. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I worked myself into a shoot, and I ended up bidding on that, and I won it. So, uh, yeah, coming that'll, soon. That'll go nicely with your jacket. <laughs> yeah. Like, I swear to God, I'm not even joking. I had no intention of winning this. I thought that I was just, based on the way people were bidding on stuff, I thought I was just nudging up the auction, but I got stuck with it. So, uh, there are worse things to be stuck with, I guess. Oh, yes. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, that's it for purchases, Joe, because uh, I'd like to purchase other stuff, but I can't because uh, I'm getting a little heated about it, Joe. Joe, I, I, I need a minute to collect my thoughts. Do you have anything that's got you riled up today? Uh, well, I do. So uh, if you follow me on social media, you listen to me on uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, you'll know that I had an instance uh, with Wendy's making an order through their app. The short, short version of this is I make the order through the app for, for curbside. I you know do the gimmick where you pull into the parking lot, you hit the button, they start making your order, bring it out in 10 minutes. You can follow your status on the app. I'm looking at the app, no status. I sit there for a half hour. I go to open up the door. The doors are locked. I hop into the drive-thru. I say, hey, I made this order online for your store. What's up? Person there tells me that they, this store, does not do orders online only through the drive-thru. And I'm like, so you don't have my order? You don't have whatever? I come home. I try to get a refund. I go through as many channels as I possibly can with absolutely no satisfaction. Um, I talked to Todd on After Dark this week on how I should do this, and I'm like, 
I did all of this. I spent an hour and a half on the phone on hold. I sent emails. I sent two requests through their website. I sent one request through their app. I tweeted at the account, which replies to someone who contacts back saying, uh, I got a chicken sandwich and it looks a little dark. <laughs> oh, that no one should have to go through that. DM us and we'll fix that problem. Or my large fry says that it should have 107 fries, but it only has 104. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry such a tragedy has befallen you. Please let us know. So prior to us recording, I did get an email finally from Wendy's. And I want to see what this email says. Oh, you haven't opened it yet? Nope, I waited till we were on the show. Oh, nice, late breaking. Okay, well, okay. Thank you very much for taking the time to let us know about your experience at the restaurant, blank. At Wendy's, we strive to delight every customer. And when your experience falls short, we are committed to making it right. I have recorded the details of your experience in our system, and I have also shared them with the franchise leadership in charge of this restaurant. One of the franchise operators will reach out to you soon, and I already requested a refund for you. Uh, thank you for notifying us of your experience and giving us the opportunity to rectify it. So... At this point, I don't want to hear from the franchise person. I want my fucking money back. Yeah. And is it only $13.44? But it's also the principle of it. Absolutely. So now, uh, they said that the refund is on its way back to me. So we're okay. good. Now, does, uh, like, I don't have, I don't do none of the apps other than, like, Dunkin' Donuts. So, uh, like, does the money go into, like, a balance in your app, or do you have, like, PayPal linked to it, or do you, how do you fund this, or how okay, do you so, know that you got the refund? Yeah, so every one is different, but the the Wendy's one is you connect, uh, like, a debit or credit card to it. Okay, so you have to basically, like, watch your debit statement or whatever. Yes. Okay. All right. And again, that was, an e that was an email that was sent to us at 845 tonight, you know? Okay. Um, so I don't think they processed my refund, but first thing in the morning tomorrow, I'll be checking my balance to see if it's in there. All right. And if that happens, save that for after dark when you get back from your vacation. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's too hot of a story to waste on Twitter. <laughs> All right, Joe, that was a nice little distraction. I'm glad things are working out for you, but you know what? Things aren't working out for me and I'm pissed. Uh -oh. I don't know. If, I don't know if you know this, Joe. I have a little bit of a Funko Pop collection. Yeah, you're currently downsizing it, I heard. I, I, it's a, I'm in a little bit of a purge, but as I've said with my, my wrestling toy rules, you know, there's some things that I collect. There's some things that I am a completist on. And one of the things that I am a completist on when it comes to Funkos is Generation 1 Transformers stuff. So that means I'm buying all the the Optimus Primes, the Megatrons, the Soundwaves, the Star Screams, whatever. Makes sense? All right, you're with me so far, right? right? Yes. I assume that's it. Yeah. So every once in a while, there's a store exclusive. You know, it's like, hey, this one's going to be a Target exclusive. All right, no big deal. You know, got to look for the pre-order. If I can't get the pre-order, I got to go to the store. If I can't get it at the store, I got to spend a little bit extra on eBay. No big deal, right? Yeah, whatever. It, it comes with the, the nature of the business. And every once in a while, oh, no, there's an exclusive for a Comic-Con. And it's like, hey, this one's going to be a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. This one's going to be a New York Comic-Con. And so what do I do, Joe? I set the alarm on my phone. I, I make sure that I'm at my computer. When these pre-orders go up, I get in the virtual queue. Sometimes I get them. 
Sometimes I don't, but you know what, what happens when I don't get them, Joe, I go on eBay, I pay the extra couple bucks. Maybe I spend $30 on a Funko. Maybe I spend $40, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm a completist. I'm going to have them all. And that's a small price to pay, right? Sure. Well, Joe, you know what Funko goes and does this past week? <laughs> what do they do? Have you ever heard of Funko Pop NFTs? No, I haven't because I have NFT <laughs> muted on my social media, so I'll never see it. Smart man. So Funko decides they are going to start selling Virtual packs of cards, I'm sorry, not cards, NFTs, because that's what they want to call them now. Ten years ago when baseball cards did this, they were just virtual cards. But Funko is going to sell you for $10 a pack, uh, and I believe in each pack you get six little tiny NFTs, and you have a chance, Joe, if you buy this virtual pack of NFTs, you have a chance of pulling a redemption card that you can then use to redeem for a real physical Funko Pop. And you know what? Guess who they're focusing on this month? It's Generation 1 Transformers. So the only way you can get these Transformers Funko Pops is to buy the stupid fucking NFTs, and then you have a chance of pulling one of these uh, these Funko Pops. Now, Joe, you might say that's not such a big deal. You know, go and buy the packs. You know, what do you figure? You got like a one in three chance, a one in five chance. Joe, would you like to know the odds of you pulling one of these physical fucking Funko Pops from these packs? Let's say one in like six million. <laughs> so there are six physical Funko Pops that you can potentially pull. And the chances of getting one of these Funkos ranges on the high end of a 1.7% chance to a low end of 0.28% chance of pulling one of these Funko Pops. Okay. So uh, statistically next to impossible to pull one of these. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to have to buy them on eBay, right? So the people who actually did pull these things, put them up on eBay. Oh, you know what? Anywhere from like $200 to $500 a piece. But you know what? It's okay, Joe. They're just repaints, right? They're just repaints of old available Funkos. No, they're goddamn new molds, new characters of some of the best goddamn characters you can buy. Hot Rod, Devastator, Rumble. You know, how am I going to complete my Soundwave collection if I don't have Rumble? So there's six <laughs> fucking Transformers Funko Pops that I either need to spend between two to $500 on, or I have to go and stop being a completist of Transformers Funko Pops, and nobody wants that. Like, this is bullshit. Why does everything have to be NFTs? Ah, I'm so mad. I'm going to send you a picture of this, and it's like, I legitimately have to decide to myself, am I going to buy any of these? Am I going to try to get one? Am I going to just stop collecting Transformers Funkos? Or because, like, if I'm going to stop collecting Transformers Funkos, does that mean I should just sell the ones I have? Like, I, I honestly don't know what to do. Like, I'm sending you a picture of the ones that are available, and I'm just, like, downright angry about this. That, like, over the past three, four years, I've managed, like, I've gone in the trenches, and I've gotten every single other one of them out there. 
and now like fucking NFTs, man, they ruin everything. <sighs> a little heated. So, so I, I do have a reminder of an issue. And again, I'm, I don't get as heated as you do. <laughs> Uh, regarding these things so um you know kids today into a variety of things when we were growing up you had like six things that you could be into like it was he-man it was gi joe was transformers you know maybe like an oddball two or three things from there right in sports kids today it's millions of things right so one of the things that my kid plays the game called pet simulator it's one of the top games on roblox Tuesday, they're going to have an exclusive drop of a plush, two different plushes from the game. Um, and they come with an exclusive in-game code for that plush to be one of the pets in the pet simulator, right? Okay. So I'm here. I work from home for the super secret science job. Uh, the drop is going to come at noon. I'm ready to go. I got the whole thing ready to go. Link pops up. I hit the link to start it at noon. And I go into the thing, and there's a banner across the top that says, uh, pre-order will start in five minutes. The whole week, it's been, the weeks, weeks, it's been hyping it up that's going to be at noon. It's noon right now. It says five minutes. Okay. So I hit there. I'm just hitting refresh, waiting for it. And then maybe like two minutes later, it pops up. So it actually starts at like 12.02. I'm ready to go. I hit the thing. I add to my cart, and I go. And now I'm in the queue. Hmm. your story of the queue and it's sitting there and it's like your position in the queue so on and so forth here's how much longer you have to be ready to go starts me at six minutes five four three i'm not doing anything two one now it bumps me up to nine minutes nine eight and the countdown comes along comes along comes along finally i get in i'm able to put my payment information in my address, my email. So before it does any of that, it has me put my cell phone number in so it could text me a code to put in to make sure that I'm like a real person, not like a bot or something, right? Yeah. yeah. So I do that. All my payment information's in. I put the code in. I hit add to cart. I'm back into the queue. <laughs> 12 minutes, 10, 9, 8, 7. Sorry, sold out. <laughs> and I'm just like, son of a bitch. You know, it was just a stupid thing that my kid mentioned. And it's one of those things like my wife will mention something and I'll just be like, oh, I'll just write it down and I'll add it to a list and I'll keep an eye out for it if she ever needs something. Because my wife is the type of person who doesn't usually get stuff for herself, but there's stuff that she wants. So I just make sure that I'm there when she says it so I can, you know, keep an eye out for it. My kid the same way. Um, again, this was just a pre-order and it was 50 bucks. I don't even know how much it was to be, sh- how much it would cost to be shipped because I never got that far along into the queue. Yeah. People are already selling them, and I'm looking at sold listings on eBay uh, for these things, and they're averaging about $125. Yikes. <clears throat> when, yes. did, uh, when did all that video game tie in stuff become such a business? Exactly. All right, Joe. Well, you enjoy your time away from podcasting. I know I will as well. <laughs> yes, my vacation uh, leaving the country is a vacation for you having the week off as well. So yes. I might yeah. not even watch any wrestling. <laughs> well, that's on you, man. Well, you at least have to watch the AIW show. This is true. Yes. Well, that's right. that's more recreational, less like work. Exactly. All right. Well, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh this was At Odds with Wrestling 182. Oh, and I forgot, as we close out the show, 
I have to tell another lie of who Avery Good's last match Ooh. is going to be at the LVAC show. Tickets go on sale in two weeks. Okay. Um, who did I say it was going to be last week? I forget who the lie was last week. Um, oh, the, I said the, it was going to be Jerry. It was going to be yes. Equinox Jerry. Yes. Uh, so I have it on good authority uh, that the last match is going to be a multi-person match, uh, as many shows on the LVAC are, where it's going to be Avery Good, professional wrestler, taking on Moscow the Communist Bovine, <laughs> Ultimo Breakfast, and Dasher Hatfield. Whoa. I have a very good authority that that's what the last, his last match is going to be. See, I heard that some of those guys have backstage beef with each other. Mm. Well, especially <laughs> the communist bovine. He's got lots of beef with everyone. <laughs> nice. All right, cool. Looking forward to that that potential match. All right. So, uh, again, closing out episode 182, Add Outs with Wrestling. Everyone enjoy your week. I'm certainly going to try to enjoy mine. Uh, be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.